This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Cohen, from his own 40, going the wrong way. Trying to reverse field, and look at this, he's got some blockers now. He was going the right way. Cohen, all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right by. Oh my goodness! Chicago's game day. Here's Mancata. Stretch. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Yes. Trubisky escapes again, and he's got plenty of room to run. Look at him go. Trubisky is out inside the 30. There's the athleticism for the rookie. In the deep left center, it's back toward the wall. It's gone. This is Chicago's game day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Ah, good Sunday morning to everybody out there. Fred Huebner jumping on in now with Adam Abdallah, and we wish Chris Black the uh, a speedy recovery from <laughs> whatever it is that's bothering him. People say the flu, and you know it's funny. You were you were you were only joking, hopefully, saying that you'll get the flu next, and I'll get the flu. It's not bad when you get the flu. You're you're still a young guy. I'm sixty, and I've never had a flu shot. Yeah, they they say when you're older, it's not good to get the flu. Come on, I haven't had it. I had it once three years ago, and it's funny. That's the first question doctors will always ask you if you go in for anything else. I went in for physical therapy. When was your last flu shot? I uh, haven't had one ever. Okay. And then they, they look at you like with a, really? Yeah. What are you, an idiot? But I've never, I don't know. I went in for something. I don't my doctor, know. That's the first thing he goes, did you have a flu shot this year? And I go, no. He goes, why not? Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean why not? I just didn't, I didn't go <laughs> get one. And then he was like, before I could finish the sentence, he was like getting it ready. It's amazing. Yeah. Sometimes, and there, there are people that I know when it first started being a big thing, um, that they would say they got sick from flu shots. And then people go, ah, no, no, that doesn't happen. It's well, a rarity. It only protects against one strain. If it's another strain that you get, I know. there's hundreds of flu strains out there. Like, you only protect from one, and they hope it's the right one. Yep. Yeah, that that's that's the extent of our medical coverage for the morning. A young woman walking outside obviously doesn't realize that it's not 80 out. That's... A sleeveless shirt on. I'm, I, look, Fred, <laughs> you're, I, I know that you're older than me, but I think that the... When, 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 a, when a lady is walking home, not the, I would say. The walk of shame? Yeah, I, would, I, I said that that, pat, that, go, that trend transgresses through time. That that goes through time. You dealt with that when you were yeah. my age. She what? She forgot her coat somewhere? Well, I mean, you Can don't want to go back. You don't want to have to go out with a coat. Like, that's the worst because then you set yeah. it somewhere and someone takes it. A lot of coats look the same. Mm-hmm. Like, you go out with a black coat and you, someone else grabs your black coat. I mean... But if you go, if that's that, that's not. Yeah, that's a walk of shame. It's got to be. It yeah, had to be. Absolutely. Those, unless you forgot her coat in a cab or something like that. Maybe. Well, you know, we're going to get to actual real stuff instead of just the things that are walking past us on <laughs> uh, State Street here. Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner with you all the way until noon. And we've got plenty to talk about. I know uh, you guys may have opinions, too, with the NCAA college tournament coming up. A lot of people say, hey, I don't care. Pay the players. Well, apparently a lot of the universities have been doing that anyway. Um, but it's interesting to hear a lot of the coaches in college basketball who are upset, which is great, as long as they're not 
some of the guys that are paying the coaches or paying the players. Um, Mark Schlebaugh had the article that came out the other day about wiretaps and uh, the coach at Arizona, uh, Sean Miller. DeAndre Ayton played yesterday. Yeah. Which was actually a surprise to most people, a surprise to the ESPN college basketball guys, because both Seth Greenberg and Jay Billis said that they didn't think that Ayton would play again for Arizona. Well, he well, played last night. Aiton's attorney, attorney uh, Lyndon B. Rose, called the allegations involving Aiton false and urged the FBI, the NCAA, and the university to come out publicly and clear his name. Rose said Aiton's family is outraged and disgusted by reports that have falsely implied that her son or his family have any involvement in illegal or prohibitive activities regarding his decision to matriculate at the University of Arizona. That's a lot of big words. There. Yeah, no, it is. And, you know, I, one of my things, and I... I used to love college basketball. That was it was my second, third favorite sport, uh, and I couldn't wait for the tournament. There used to be a thing called the Blue Ribbon Basketball Book. It was about as big as uh, baseball prospectuses are now, big, huge book, and it would give you a rundown of every college basketball team before this when the season started. Each and every player, even the bench players, it would tell you who they are, what their best shots are, all that stuff. I was a big college basketball fan. And then the one and done started. Mm-hmm. And then I got tired of each year having to figure out, Kentucky's got who? Who are these guys? I never heard of these guys. So if you didn't watch the McDonald's All-American game, you wouldn't know who the freshmen were the next year. Well, what would you prefer? Would you prefer that the NBA get rid of the one and that you have yeah, to go to college come. for a year? No, no I, I'd say don't, you, don't make them go at all. But if you go, and we were talking about this the other day with, uh, with your, Carmen and Yurko during Crosstalk, if you go, then you got to stay for a certain period of time. I mean, baseball, you have to stay for three years if you go. Football, with, you have to stay football. for three years. I would years. say three years right. is a good, would be a good rule, but you should give them the opportunity, the players that think that they are good enough to go straight to the NBA. I agree. You should give them the opportunity to be- go straight to the NBA. Because this is ridiculous. Because yeah. we all know, everybody out there knows, and if you want to jump in, 312-332-3776. Everybody out there knows that the one-and-dones go to school. They register for school. They go September, October, November. They play basketball. The season's over, and they... Stop going to school. Stop going to school. Now, a lot of times, school ends about a month after the tournament ends yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. Or if the tournament ends in April, it's not. sometimes it's not even that long afterwards. But they, they don't go to classes. And one of the things that I would like to see them instill, um, when you were in, heck, if you were in, when I was in grade school, if we didn't get certain grades, we couldn't play basketball. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. always academic eligibility. But the... the the teachers know who, but see that shouldn't be the case. Is on the team, you know, and we've seen it in movies about this kind of stuff. You know that there's there are teachers who you know say, listen, if you don't pass my class, I'm not going to let you play this weekend. And then all of a sudden, something happens, and the guy plays, and he scores the game winning basket, and everybody's happy. Yeah, yeah. But it, you know, you should hold everybody because I cannot believe. And I'm just going to use Alabama for an instance because you're an Alabama fan. I can't believe that all the football players who play at Alabama are in class and are getting passing grades. Um, I mean, look, I would say that their main and it's not just that school. I just picked one. No, no, no. It I could would be say almost... in, fo- in football. In football, I believe it's different because you're there for three years, and there's there the rosters are huge. And I would say that we all know how the NFL draft works. A majority of the players on any given football team, right. Alabama does put out a lot of uh, NFL draft picks, yeah. but a majority of the people on that team aren't going to be playing football the rest of their lives. So 
In football, I would say it's different than the, you know, you got a 15-man roster in, in uh, basketball or whatever it is. And then you, a lot of those kids think they can play in the NBA right. or they play overseas or they play wherever in the D-League or whatever. Like, I don't think that, I think that football players use it. Like, I know a kid in my high school went to Michigan okay. on, a, on a full ride. He played, he was an offensive lineman for Michigan. And he was like, I'm not playing football after college, but I'm getting a full ride to Michigan, so I'm going to go. And, and he's I'm going, going to classes. To play, and I'm right. going to classes. Yeah. And I'm going to graduate because Michigan's a damn good school, and I this is the only way I can get in. Right. So, well, let's play football for four years, and then I'll graduate, or yeah. however long he was there. Yeah. And but like we said, basketball is a much different thing, especially with the one and duds. I would just say one of the easiest things is just don't, you're making a mockery of college basketball by saying they have to go to school for one year. Yeah, you are, and you can't you can't pay them, and it's not because all oh, you're getting an education and all that stuff. I, that that has nothing to do with it. The point it's it's not. You brought up fair. all the great. I had them written down the other day about paying players, and you you brought up all the good points. It's not it's not fair. You can't tell me that you, you. We already have how there has to be equal sports between amongst men and women. You have to have the same amount of sports yep. that men participate in and women participate in. You can't tell me that that the school that Alabama has a very good softball program that those players aren't going to want to get paid yeah. just as the the football players. We all know that the Alabama's football program generates a ton more money sure. than Alabama's sophomore uh, uh, softball program. Michigan State has a very good basketball program. They also have a very good football program. You can't tell me that the basketball program generates as much money as the football no, program. No, it doesn't. There's two programs that, that generate money. Basketball and football. Nobody goes to baseball games. Uh, no Nobody goes to swimming game matches, swimming meets, except parents. Yeah. And you, if they're on campus for that uh, period of time. And you can't tell me that Josh Rosen should be paid the same amount as the fourth string running back or yeah. whatever. Like, that's not how it works. So whatever you do, sure, you want to pay him a certain amount per game, go right ahead. Do it, NCAA. There's still going to be a black market there's still going to be an underground for paying players because Josh Rosen, okay, cool, you're going to get uh, $2,000 a game or whatever, but we're going to give you an extra five if yeah. you come to UCLA. I'm not saying that that's what happens, right. but that's what's going to happen. Like You're still going to have it. They're, they're just going to find a new way. These agents and these shoe companies and these coaches are going to get busted. There's going to be a whole nother set of coaches. There's going to be new agents. There's going to be new representative for these shoe companies and they're going to get, they're going to start it up again. No matter what you do, you just have to find, you just have to be better at policing it, I guess. And I, hopefully you can find it. And I guess it's wrong. I don't know that there's a, a way that universities can tell coaches, listen, you can make a deal with Adidas or Reebok or whoever it is. But you can only make a deal for this much money. You can't make a deal for more money than this. Mm -hmm. You can't limit the... Uh, we're, we'll wear the shoes. The school will wear the shoes provided by Adidas. I, I don't necessarily know why the coach has to be paid at all. By the, by the, by the, the shoe company. The shoe company? I don't know why either. He, they're getting enough money from the school. I yeah. don't think they need Nike money or Adidas money or no, Under Nike, Armour money. Nike should just say, listen, we want to work a deal with you, the school, for you to wear our stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, and and that's the way it should be. The coach shouldn't make any money. Um, but I do think that a way to not stop it entirely, but a way to curb some of it is to let athletes seek out their own endorsements the way Olympic athletes are allowed to. 
So, like, if I keep using Josh Rosen because I just the latest mock draft has him going number one right. overall, right? right? So, if Josh Rosen wants to go out and sign a deal with a local car dealership, he gets to. Yeah. If he wants to sign a Nike deal, he gets to. If he wants to sign a, as long as the school once he leaves school, yeah. Yeah, well, no, even you could, I would say you could sign local stuff. You could sign, like, if it's not like a company that is your represent, like they wear Nike or whatever, UCLA, whatever they wear, I don't know what they wear, but you just can't go with an athletic company. So if he wants to sign a deal with whatever, he's allowed to. If he wants to be the face of Wheaties or the face of uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you want to go out and do that, they should be able to do that because they are the face of a, a franchise, essentially. Well, and, and the one thing I do agree with people who say talk about paying players, and I don't think the university should pay players either, and I'll run down the reasons why, and you, you touched on them a little bit. I don't think they should, uh, they should pay players uh, at all. And I've heard, and I, I can't remember which show I heard, but I was listening the other day, and they were talking about how you hear so many athletes say, well, listen, we can't even go home on the weekends. We can't go home for the holidays because we're not allowed to do this. I think the players should be allowed to work have jobs but they have they can't be turning the sprinklers on which are automatic they can't work for the athletic department okay mm-hmm. they have to work where they actually have to go to jobs they have to put on a hat and work at you know McDonald's they mm-hmm. they should be able to do that also their likeness in the video games they should be paid for that oh yeah there's no way that the video games should be allowed to use their likeness of a player um, pro players they make tons of money on that kind of stuff tons of money on that kind of stuff they love it there's a reason they love all of those games is because they all make money on it but paying college athletes and again this is a little bit beyond what's been going on but we're going to talk with uh, mark slaybaugh from espn uh at the bottom of the hour first of all which schools get the opportunity to pay players does northern illinois pay players does eastern illinois pay players where is that where do you cut it off that's the part of the problem is it just the top conferences is it just the top five conferences that do that which players from each team get paid does a quarterback get paid more than a wide receiver get paid more than the kicker punter how do, there's there would be more problems nobody ever talks about that oh they should pay players there should be a stipend and there, there would be more problems there. Could you imagine you're lining up next to a guy, you're the center, and the guard's getting more money than you, mm-hmm. paying. You both are on scholarship, but he's making more money where he can go out. And It's funny, I heard someone mention it, and I would have never thought about this, but they said, you look at some of these players and they're all tatted up. They didn't get that. That costs money. That's not cheap. Their entire arms are tatted up. Yeah, but that they don't pay for those, though, because, <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. Because you can go to a, a shop or whatever, and you could have tattoo uh, companies or tattoo artists come to you and do that. Like and then they people will say, "Who do you people, get that from?" Oh, then my friend. And then, and then my you, friend's a tattoo artist. Then yeah. that's it. Like Alabama has a barber shop in their football facility. Like and it's in their sports facility. I mean, I'm sure well, basketball players, haircuts are another thing. But that's my point. Is yeah. like they don't have to pay. Like athletes can go there and get. A haircut, and it's it's a full on barber shop, and they go in and they can get their haircut. That's just something they don't have to pay for. Did you stop there when you were with Black at the uh, Alabama? No, we did not. Uh, we did not get uh, buddy cuts, <laughs> as uh, as one would say. We have got buddy cuts before when we lived together, but yeah. we did not get buddy cuts uh, when we went to Alabama. But like, yeah, they don't. Yes, the, the but then you saw the tattoo. Remember in Ohio State, the tattoos for memorabilia. I know. And someone on Twitter, Brian McLaughlin, says uh, players should be able to sign autograph deals, too. They should own their own signature. Of course they should own their own signature. Uh. If 
It, no, if if a guy if 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 Baker Mayfield can set up shop and wants to charge a hundred dollars for a signature, he should be able to. Well, but see, and usually, and it was a stipulation, but or you know, just a little thing. But usually, if you see a guy is charging for an autograph, it's not that's not the price he's charging. He charges a flat fee to the company that's running it. Yes. And then they say, okay, well, if that's what you're charging me, in order for us to pay you and to make money, we're going to have to set the number at this. Even all of these autograph shows are the same way. It's not everybody saying, listen, I want 13 or I want $50 for an autograph. They say, here's our fee. Mm-hmm. You figure out what it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they, and they sign the autographs. I've never quite understood people that pay for autographs. That's right. that's a whole other thing. I'm not paying $10 for anybody's signature. I also thought pictures were more valuable. If I see someone, I'll ask them for a picture. Well, I'm not yeah. asking them for, for an autograph. And, and I know this is uh, decades and decades ago, but my dad used to do a lot of stuff for the White Sox. We had to... We used to run White Sox clinics back in the early 70s with Dick Allen and, you know, Jay Johnstone and Luke Appling, who was a coach of the White Sox. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have autograph signings. What they did was they took Polaroids with the players. Yeah. So I've got a box of Polaroids with me with all these other players. And that's cool. That doesn't go away. You usually don't lose those kind of things. That's why it amazes me how big the autograph thing is, especially with all of the autographs that are fake or going around there. The only time I asked someone for their autograph is when I saw Jim Gaffigan at uh, a Zany's comedy club when uh-huh. it used to be in Vernon Hills. I don't know if it's still in Vernon Hills. It might be. I don't know. I was um, at that Zany's. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 w- I went out and I asked him to be my uh, organ donor witness on the back of my uh, okay. my license. <laughs> and he was like, absolutely, I'll be your organ donor witness. So, I w- of course, I was like 18 and stupid. So I was like, this will be funny. Yeah. And he, he enjoyed it. So he did it. That's that's like the only time I've been like, hey, can you sign this? Why well, I had one. <laughs> uh, when I was working down the street... Uh, we had Mitch Hedberg in studio. Oh, love Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, so That's awesome. And Mitch Hedberg, and I brought his three, his two CDs with me. And I'm, I had them, and, you know, I, we're going back in conversation. I said, yeah, I'm a big listener. I've got your CDs, all this kind of stuff. So I had him with me. And before he left the studio, he goes, I know this is kind of silly, but uh, you want me to sign those for you? So I said, yeah, that'd be cool. So he, like, signed the CDs and all that stuff. And that's the last time I think I've gotten an autograph from anybody. And we know he passed away yeah. in 05 because I was down in St. Louis for the uh, Illinois Final Four, I think, when he ago, passed away. Yeah. So it's funny that he passed away, and on a daily basis I see tweets from him with, <laughs> with, some, with, some of his, with some of his funnier jokes. So that's interesting. But, yeah, the autographs are weird. But, uh, you know, I guess they should be able to make deals. If in fact they can do that, I don't know. I don't necessarily see a problem with that. That their likeness, um, but I don't think they should be paid to go to the universities. I don't think they should be paid to play football. I just don't think it should happen. Uh, I've always been that way, and I people say, I you know, I've always said they're getting their education for free. They're getting all this stuff, but also they're pre- they're prevented from working on campus, and that bother that would bother me too. Because listen, if you're not going to let me work on campus, then you got to pay me something. A lot of them don't have time to work. Like some no, no, of them, I know, yeah. but they still can't do it even if like, they did. Even on even on the not like not saying the lesser teams, but like the 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 teams that don't make money. Like I, I went to uh, DePaul for a little bit for uh-huh. half a year um, before I decided to take a break and before they cut you from the basketball yeah. team. Yeah. Well, no, but I had <laughs> friends that played like on the soccer team and stuff sure. like that, and they were like, "I got to go." Like I couldn't see them during the week because right. when I was with them in class after class, they'd go to practice or they'd have they'd have to go run. Oh, yeah, they have don't to, have time. And then at night is when they would have to do all their homework and that kind of stuff and study. So like you would never see them until the weekends, and then they were at games or traveling 
or whatever. So they, I, a lot of them just don't have time to work. So if they can go out and get an autograph deal or they can have find a local endorsement or something, then, you know, that, that I don't see there's anything wrong with that. Let's go down to Bourbon A and Joe. Joe, you're on ESPN 1000. What's going on? Hey, good morning, boys. Um, so, something about this uh, whole um, college athlete being paid. I've been all for it for years. I, I remember Ed O'Bannon had an antitrust suit mainly around like EA Sports using them, uh, you know, using their likenesses and such. They right. might not put their names on it, but you know, I'm a hundred. You know, why? Why is Ohio State putting a multi-million-dollar project on to close a horseshoe? It's because of these kids. You know, and and Abdallah made a good 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 point where like you know a, a school like Alabama makes a ton of of loot, and you know a scholarship means nothing to them to give for free. My thought is, you know, if I'm an athlete, my choice school comes up to me and says, "We will give you, you know, what a scholarship, like a hundred thousand dollars or so, like if if you stay all four years." Like, like, we'll give you a scholarship, tuition paid, a laptop, a tablet, everything you need for an education, room and board paid for, or we'll give you $100,000 a year. You have to pay for your education and keep yourself eligible on that. Because, I mean, the whole idea of a scholarship is smoke and mirrors when they're making millions and millions off of you. You get what I'm saying? Well, see, but the other people, and Joe, we appreciate the call, the other people have to pay for all those things. The other people have to pay for their room and board. They have to pay for their yeah. books. They have to pay for their education. And these athletes are getting away without paying for that. I know the other day they just said the, the highest um, per year tuitions with room and board at schools, and I think it was 50, University of Chicago finished fourth, and I think it was $57,000 $57, a year. A year? Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm never having kids. Right, $57,000 a year. Now, if you say, you know, if it was the University of Chicago, if some of these other, and, see, and, and the Ivy League doesn't give scholarships. No. So the Ivy League, you still have to, you get, you can get, you can get an educational scholarship and yeah. educational things, but you don't get athletic scholarships uh, for that. And a lot of these guys aren't on scholarship. Like you look at the football players. Like there's always that ye- that well, time of year when yeah. right before the season starts, when they announce like a kid's getting a scholarship and like the whole team is going nuts around them and the coach is going nuts. And those are all great, but there's a lot of walk-ons. There's a lot of guys. That Usually just the are, walk-ons are, are the punters and the kickers. Well, they're trying to earn <laughs> scholarships. Yeah. I mean, listen, so that they don't have to pay for everything. Listen, which if is- Alabama could pay for anything. Pay pay for a kicker. Go under the table and pay for a, a kicker, for God's sake. We'll talk more about that. We're going to have Mark Schlebaugh from ESPN come on. He was the one that wrote the story the other day about uh, the Arizona coach and also the wiretaps. We'll talk more about that. We come back. Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner. We've got my baseball notebook at 1030. Kat Garcia, who is a columnist for WLS Radio. We come up around 1045. All that and more coming up here on ESPN 1000. See Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner with you here on Chicago's game day. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, NCAA situation, the FBI wiretaps, hopefully with the guy that wrote the article, Mark Schlebaugh, in a second. We've got a couple of gift cards to give away, three to be exact, and which should be more than a couple. Uh, a be a few. threesome. Be a few. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, you can come on out to Four Winds Casino in South Bend. Your chance to meet Jay Hood from ESPN 1000. It's Wednesday, February 28th from 6 until 8 p.m. Catch some blue and gold action as Notre Dame takes on, or let's see, yeah, as the Fighting Irish take on Pittsburgh. ESPN Street Team will be on site with fun prizes, register to win gift cards from Four Winds Casino South Bend. Check them out. Also, uh, check out the Kankakee Grill, which offers comfort food with a modern twist. Escape to Four Winds, South Bend, entertainment on weekends, 1,800 games. You'll find just what you're looking for on your entertainment escape. Four Winds, South Bend, dining, gaming, and fun. Jay Hood will be there this coming Wednesday, the 28th from 6 until 8. We've got three $100 gift cards to give away. We'll be doing that throughout the course of the show, so keep listening when we ask you to... Call on in. Did you see what happened to Pitt yesterday? No, I did not. This Pitt I faced, was too busy watching NBA action. Pitt faced the Virginia Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. The halftime score, Virginia 30, Pitt 7. <laughs> That's not good, is it? They scored 7 points at halftime. How do you do that? I can understand. Like, I've seen... Before like, the shot clock, I could understand, but now there's a shot clock. Seven! That's insane! Yeah. That, that's that's kind of weird. There was, a, there was a stat the other day. There was a team that was down by... Boy, I don't even know if this was high school or college. I heard it on ESPN. I think I heard it on Goal Lake and Wingo. There was a team that was down by 30... 33 or 34 and a half, mm-hmm. and they came back and won the game. It was like the biggest comeback. Yeah, I think that was college. It was like the biggest comeback ever in college basketball or whatever. So uh, earlier, um, a lot of the coaches, obviously, talking about what's going on with this whole situation um, with the NCAA, the wiretaps, Sean Miller, the Arizona coach, DeAndre Ayton, and um, NCAA college coaches around the country talking about it. Give it a listen to a bunch of the coaches. Obviously, it's been a pretty interesting 24 hours around the college basketball world um you know and i'm sure some things will change um i'm sure a lot of things might change and and how they change i'm not i don't think anybody knows the answer to that question it's a horrible time for the game and but the game has begged it's been on its knees begging for change those accusations are true that's certainly not the way college basketball work should work and, and there's so many of us doing it the right way. There's so many of us. It's really a travesty how um, people have treated our game. And um, it, it's, it's, really, it's really sad that, that we have all these situations. And, and there's more of it out there. Um, those of us in the profession know it. Here's what I know. Allegations, until somebody tells me what uh, Kyle Kuzma supposedly did, he's not guilty in my mind. We, we, we have, a, I think, a long haul ahead of us as a sport <clears throat> to figure out what the right thing is to do moving forward. There is no easy answer. Uh, there is no quick fix. Now, among the coaches you heard there, you heard Coach K, you heard uh, John Beeline, uh, Mark Fox, Dave Padgett, Larry Koskowiak, and also Shaka Smart was the last one. He sounded like Tibbs. Boy, oh boy, he better have that the voice box checked or something. <laughs> he said that's not the same Shaka Smart I remember hearing. He was he always that horse? Yeah, life life comes at you fast, Fred. Man, oh man. It's like a guy's like he's smoking a carton. 
and then going out and yelling at his players. But some of the some of the lines in there, uh, Coach K saying the game has been on its knees begging for change. Uh, also, I think it was uh, Mark Fox from Georgia said it's sad we have all these um, all these situations. There's more out there. We all know that. Those of us in the uh, profession know it. Uh, a travesty how people have treated our game. And if all these guys are clean, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying, you know, everybody thought Sean Miller was clean, too. Uh, Jay Billis talked about it the other day, and uh, he was com- he was very upset about the whole situation. It's also a, a profound disappointment. I know that I'm not going to speak for you guys, but to me personally, you know, I've known Sean for a long time. I actually stood up for him and and what I thought was his level of integrity through this whole Book Richardson thing. I, I didn't think there was any way that he knew about such stupidity on the part of Book Richardson to the extent those allegations were true. Uh, I can't tell you how disappointed I am. I can't imagine. I mean, this is a career-ending thing for Sean Miller. Career ending, and I can't imagine. I can't imagine him ever coaching in college again. Now, the, for those who don't know, uh, Book Richardson uh, is Emmanuel Book Richardson. He's an assistant coach who has uh, had some of the dealings mm-hmm. with uh, DeAndre Ayton, and apparently, um, he was asked, uh, <laughs> "Should should we deal with uh, the assistant coach?" And on the wiretaps, Sean Miller said, "No, when it comes to money, deal with me." That's not good, dude. Here's okay. First of of all, you should know nothing in print and nothing over the phone. Don't you watch enough movies? Exactly. Like, this isn't (laughs) like the gall on this dude to just be talking on it on a phone and not even like a burner phone (laughs) that you can like throw away. Exactly. Like a normal phone. Like, you make that deal, you take the battery out of the phone, you throw it into a lake. Like, that's what you do. Dude, watch one episode of The Wire. One of just one one. episode. One episode. Watch one episode of The Sopranos. Like, you can't. Like, what is wrong with the, the, I don't know. the ego on that guy? Yeah. And you know what? It's like that, unfortunately, with, apparently with a lot of schools. And, um, that's why, and that's why I have a big problem with a lot of college basketball and college football, just for the number of athletes that are being paid and others that aren't and some that are doing it right, the right way and others, others that aren't. We always find that out every couple of years. Another school goes on probation. Every, every couple of years, there's a, there's a Rick Patino and a, a championship being taken away mm-hmm. and it, it's frustrating and aggravating as a fan now um it's not aggravating that that aggravating when you're watching it apparently because we're all enjoying it we're like we're enjoying seeing these players let me ask you a question if you want to jump in three one two three three two three seven seven six if in fact the ncaa came down and said listen all these guys that are out there all these guys who they've got wiretaps on that they've taken money okay um if they say right now Players from Duke and North Carolina and Texas and Kentucky and Michigan State and Miles Bridges from Michigan State and uh, Colin Sexton from Alabama and the Dukes Wendell Carter. If they say, listen, your your schools can all play in the NCAA tournament. These guys are done. They can't play anymore. Okay, they're finished. Is it going to ruin the tournament for you? You still have to figure out who you're going to pick. You still have to pick the right teams. It's still going to be a tournament. You're still going to bet on it. Ben Simmons didn't play in the tournament. Last I checked, did yeah, yeah. Markel so Fultz didn't play in the tournament Fultz didn't last play year. In the tournament, yeah. I mean, there are guys that don't. The, the number one pick, Doncic, this year 
He's not going to play in the tournament. Right. So, like, if that's why you're watching because you want these guys. No, you know, that's not why you watch. That's not why you watch, watch the tournament. tournment. Nobody knows half the pl- more than half the players. That you know are why people watch the tournament? Because they want to see a 12, a 12 beat a 5. Yeah. That's why. They want to see a 12 beat a 5. They want to see their team get into a later round. They want to be able to beat their, you know, you know, Susie and Mary that are the, uh, the office pool winners yeah. all the time. We can't figure out how. You want to see the Cinderella stories, yeah. and then you want to see a good program win. Like, Cinderella stories are cool, yeah. and then you want, like, real teams in the Final Four. Because, like, you want to see. And then, look, now we're going to see how good these coaches are. Like, if, oh, yeah. if, if these players aren't allowed, like, if it's we find out that players were on Kentucky or players were on Duke were paid and all that kind of stuff, and we take these players out, Okay, now Coach K, coach. Yeah, don't just you can't just pay the good ones now. Yeah, coach. Well, that's why I've and I've heard people say they said they people have come on in the last couple of days and said, listen, we love the one and dones because we still enjoy seeing these kids and these young great athletes play, even the one year in college. I don't, I don't necessarily appreciate or wa- enjoy watching a Kentucky with five players that are freshmen that are going to be gone the next year and most of them go to the NBA and then there's a whole new group. I don't necessarily enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I used to, the reason I used to love college basketball and I would think there's a lot of people out there is when I remember when uh, Isaiah Thomas, not the one that's with Boston or yeah. not the Lakers now, uh, <laughs> but Isaiah Thomas played for St. Joe's and then he went to Indiana and then as a sophomore, they got more players and then as a junior, they won the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And, and it was great because one year you'd have to see who the freshmen were coming in and how that was going to work and how they were going to develop a team. In a lot of these schools, you got, you've got one year. We got one and dones. If we don't win, we're going to have to go out and get more next year. That's not, that's not the whole way college sports is supposed to work. No, I mean, you've got guys like, like schools like Duke where next year, I don't know the exact number, but they have like a, a fab five coming in. Like right. they have, a the one, the two, the four, the whatever it is, they have that coming in next year. Okay, if they change the rule, if the NCAA says in the off season before next college basketball season you don't have to go to college, how many of them go? Probably, Probably none. none. Probably none. Probably none. And they hope for the best. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it, it's it, it's weird, and and I I don't enjoy it that way. They do have to clean it up. And again, I I hope that all the coaches you heard from are clean because if not, the words they just mentioned and the words they just said at their post game uh, press conferences yesterday are all going to come back to haunt them. There's, I, I think that there are are certain things that I like. It's it's, a, it's what are you willing to believe? Okay. What happened at Ohio State? With the football players exchanging tattoos for yeah. autographs and stuff, I can understand a coach not knowing that. I had no right? problem with that. Yeah, but but like I can yeah. understand a coach not knowing that because that's that's acceptable. But saying that oh, there's a guy who uh, he doesn't know about money. Like, dude, we got you on wiretap now. Yeah, like you can't deny this. No, no. I'm, I want to hear these tapes too. Well, we did have Frank Caliendo in here the other day, but I don't think him among the voices he he uh, imitates or Sean Miller. I don't think you can do a sweaty Sean Miller. <laughs> I don't think so either. Let's find out more about this situation. And uh, from the guy that wrote the article the other day, Mark Schlebaugh from ESPN, joins us right now here on ESPN 1000. Mark, how are you today? Good, guys. How are you? We're doing well. Um, I, I mentioned to uh, my partner Adam here that I got involved in sports a long time ago and talking sports on the radio because I love talking about what happened on the court and the field and the ice and all those kind of things. I'm just trying to figure out, and yeah, I'm not the smartest guy, why is the FBI involved in NCAA rules violations? Um, that's a good question. 
um, because this is certainly not something new. It's something that's been happening for decades, and we've kind of heard about it in the shadows for a long, long time. And, and back in 2008, O.J. Mayo took $250,000, and the FBI didn't get, get involved then. So I am not sure what precipitated this. All I know is that Marty Blazer, who was a financial advisor out of Pittsburgh, who was charged by the Securities and Exchange Commission for misusing his client's money, flipped and became an undercover informant, and he was the one that kind of set up this clandestine investigation for two years. And, you know, it was the FBI's entry into this world, and then they utilized it. Mark, so what's a realistic fix for this? Like the NCAA, like Mark, I read the NCAA president came out and said, we're not going to pay players. We're going to try to police this. We're going to do what they can. What is a realistic, what can the NCAA do realistically to try to curb this from happening? I, I don't know what they can do. I mean, I think they got to take a hard look at players' relationships with agents. You know, in some sports, hockey, baseball players are allowed to have agents. I think that cuts out some of it, at least cuts out the uh, unscrupulous ones. Uh, I think you got to look at AAU basketball, get a better handle on that, because I think, you know, I just think there's too many third-party influencers who don't have these kids' best interests at heart. Uh, I think we got to take a, a really examine how Nike and Under Armour and Adidas are sponsoring these AAU teams, because in most cases, they're just cutting checks for 150000 or $200,000 with absolutely zero oversight. And in some cases, that money's going directly to the parents of uh, high-profile recruits who all of a sudden are becoming AAU coaches and Adidas consultants. And it's just, a, you know, it's just another method of dropping off a, a duffel bag full of cash. And I think you really got to look at the one-and-done rule. I don't think that's the root cause of it, but I think some of these guys, these runners and agents would be less likely to invest in a kid if they're going to have to wait three years for a return on their investment instead of just a few months. Mark, were you surprised that Arizona allowed Aiton to play last night with all this news coming out? Yeah, a little bit. Um, but, you know, we reported Friday that, you know, Sean Miller's on wiretap and that he had discussions to pay Aiton $100,000. Mm-hmm. We, we did not report that money changed hands or that Aiton got the money because, you know, we don't have enough I haven't seen enough evidence to, to say that. So I think you just have wiretaps with Sean Miller making these, having these discussions with Christian Dawkins about paying it. And at this point, they probably feel like, you know, Aiden, you know, is still eligible. I know that his attorney came out yesterday uh, and said that he was questioned by the FBI about six months ago about this. Uh, he has, you know, they want the FBI to come out and clear his name. I don't know if the FBI is going to do that based on what I've been told. But, um, you know, and the other thing is, you know, what the hell they got to lose? He's played all year. Right. If they have to vacate, they're going to have to vacate. They might as well roll with it. We're exactly two weeks away from Selection Sunday. How quickly can the NCAA react to this, and will it affect the tournament if they can? I don't think they can. And, you know, I've... I, saw Mark Emmert on CBS yesterday, and he said they've been in discussions with the FBI on a regular basis. But as far as I know, they do not have the wiretaps. They don't have a lot of this evidence. It's all under federal seal. And until a judge lifts that seal, I don't think the FBI is going to turn over that information. Um, You know, the attorneys involved in this case aren't allowed to discuss it. So I think it's going to be really, really difficult for the 
for the NCAA to do anything about it. Um, you know, and, and based on what we've seen over the last 48 hours since that Yahoo report came out, you know, there were seven or eight active players in there, and there were only two that were set down, and the high-profile guys like Dukes Wendell Carter and Miles Bridges at Michigan State, I mean, the NCAA has cleared those guys to play, so I don't I think I think it's going to be longer term ramifications, and it may be a year from now before we know anything. There's three separate trials, one involving uh, Adidas executives Jim Gatto and Merle Code is scheduled to begin in October. I think that one gets pushed back, and we may not see the first trial until April of 2019. Mark Schleybaugh from ESPN for another couple minutes talking about the situation with the FBI wiretaps. Have all three thousand hours? Uh, been listened to? Did they wait till they listened to everything before they came out with this stuff? Um, all I can tell you, the people I talked to that provided me with the information have not listened to all the wiretaps, so I'm, I assume there's more that's going to come out. Okay. Um, I was told back on Valentine's Day that it was, you know, we reported on Valentine's Day that it was probably three dozen programs that might be impacted including a lot of the Blue Bloods and, and traditional powerhouses and Pete Thamel from Yahoo. I think the number he threw out was 50. Um, but I think, you know, I think, there's, I think, I think more than Sean Miller's job is going to be at stake. Let's put it that way. Mark Schlebaugh joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark underscore Schlebaugh. You've got on your Twitter, your Twitter avatar is a picture of Anthony Rizzo holding the World Series trophy. Your background is Wrigley Field. You've done an excellent job reporting on all of the college basketball stuff. I want to give you a break to talk about the Cubs <laughs> adding you, Darvish, and how excited you are for this season to finally start, and you can maybe take a little break from this and watch a little baseball. Uh, it's, I grew I grew up in northern Indiana, so I grew up a Cubs fan. Listen to Harry Carey on WGN every day. It drives my wife insane. I get the baseball package and watch every Cubs game about every night during the summer, just sitting on the back porch. Um, I think Darvish just, you know, I was getting a little bit worried about the Brewers, and I, I figured I'd have to stop worrying about 8 May when it comes to Milwaukee. But, um, yeah, with that lineup and that pitching staff, I think I think uh, Joe got everything he could get out of that rotation last year. and I think they got three or four really legitimate one, two, three, four starters, so. I'm excited about it. We just hope they stay healthy. And guys like Schwarber and Baez and Addison Russell continue to make progress and develop because I think every one of those guys has the potential to be a franchise player. Mark, as the uh, baseball season rolls along, maybe we'll get you when things calm down and just talk more <laughs> baseball with you, okay? Love it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Mark Slaybaugh, busy guy this week as he had the story. FBI wiretaps show Sean Miller discussed $100,000 payments to lock up a recruit. You can go to it. Uh, it came out on Friday also. It was updated yesterday. Go to ESPN.com and check out the story. And, uh, boy, he said 50, as many as 50. I, I mean, but he also said... We may not know any of this stuff yeah. till like 2019. Like I know. This is going to be the trial might not even start till 2019. Like we might get this. All this stuff won't be see, unsealed until then. So if you're worried about the NCAA tournament being affected, it doesn't. It doesn't uh, look like it doesn't look like it unless they unless more stuff leaks, like Sean Miller being on a wiretap 
saying I will take money and I will give money away and all this kind of stuff. It's like, dude, what are you doing on the phone? Yeah. Well, I can't. That's the biggest. I, I'm not surprised that, we, oh, we found out college players are being paid to come to schools. No yeah. way. Well, I'm more surprised that the gall on this dude to talk about it on a phone. Yeah, I agree. It, it's, it's pure stupidity. One more thing before we take a break. We got Jesse coming up top of the hour talking some Cubs baseball. But I was surprised how many people were upset that in Sean Miller's contract, if he got fired for cause, he would still make, you know, $10 million. Hey, that's just called good negotiating. That's called good contracting. It is. The fact that it's double the amount that if he gets fired without cause hey. kind of leads you to believe that Arizona may have been like, go do whatever you got to do, because if we fire you, you're still going to get $10 million. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a good possibility of that. So I, I don't blame Sean Miller for that. No, that's he can be no, for I, don't, I blame Arizona for that, for yeah, sure. Exactly. That's a school. We'll talk some baseball with Jesse from Arizona. He'll come back and join us after this on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there. Chicago's game day. He's at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. Alvarez. It's a triple play for the Sox. Base is loaded. Base is clean. This is Chicago's game day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Ah, welcome on in. Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner, Chris Flex got the day off. Little under the weather. As we are, we talked a lot of college basketball in the first half, first hour. Mm-hmm. Probably as much as we talked about, well, the, I guess we'll have to talk about it for the next couple of weeks leading up to the tournament. Oh, yeah. It's, we're two weeks away from Selection Sunday. You know this is going to be overhanging every story about college basketball and every team. Like, oh, well, is Alabama going to make it? I don't know. Well, and you Tom had... Sexton might have a thing. Yeah, you had a big match, a big game at Loyola the other day. UIC's got a big game today over at the Pavilion. You're looking for something to do. Go on over uh, UIC with a big game later this afternoon. I want to say, I think, 5 o'clock uh, contest and... Uh, should be fun as they're gearing up for the tournament. Did you see real quickly? We're going to get to Jesse, but the end, uh, the Big Ten said, hey, forget all these people uh, and us having the tournament at certain places, the uh, college basketball tournament, because they had to compress the schedule in order to have the tournament a week earlier. So some of their teams, like some of their schools played five games in 12 days. Mm-hmm. And Jim Delaney said, well, forget that. We're not doing that anymore. Now, my only point is, didn't you realize that when you agreed to this deal? Sometimes, think so. yeah, maybe sometimes money talks originally, and then you realize I think it's, a it's not worth the money because they'll have a few weeks off before the tournament. Starts. It could be if they have it. If the Big Ten tournaments this week, they'll yeah. have a week off before the tournament. Starts. But what's the question? It comes up in all sports. Well, you know, you don't want to have too much all rest, right. and you get you get rusty. This guy's never rusty. It's our guy uh, Jesse Rogers out in Arizona. Hey, Jess, what's going on? Good morning, boys. How we doing? We're doing well. Uh, we heard you were a little under the weather, but you're a trooper, right? Uh, yeah, you know, just, uh, whatever. Who knows? I think I ate something weird out here last night, but doing fine. Did Sylvie give you something weird? <laughs> I haven't seen him yet, so, you know, he's always weird when I when I do see him. I'm sure he will 
say something weird for sure. But no, I haven't seen him yet. But he'll be here soon, I guess. So everybody, we saw the lineup for yesterday's game, and apparently, uh, everybody, all Cub fans were happy because that's that's pretty close to the lineup you're going to see on opening day. Maybe a, a few adjustments here and there. Um, you know, Borges is a guy that, that you know. I don't know. The only way he makes the team is if Listella doesn't make the team, and I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, what were your thoughts on what happened yesterday? And then we'll get into today. What's going on? Well, it's interesting. I mean, Fred, I think you uh, and other people have asked me about their defense the last few days, and man, it it, it has showed up the first couple days here. So I feel like maybe um, as we get further away from 2017, we're going to see sort of some of those things that made them special in 16 reappear, and and perhaps defense is the one one thing that will you know sort of show that first and foremost because I think that's the thing that will 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 you know stays right it usually doesn't slump but i think last year was so unique coming off the world series that that maybe it did i mean in, in two games we had no less than four or five six really good plays by regular players listella had a great play on friday um baez made an unbelievable web gem yesterday and a high chopper that went over rizzo's head into right field Baez slides towards the foul line from his knees of course throws the runner out made another nice play in that game as well um, Russell looked good. Bryant looked good. Uh, Rizzo made an over the sort of head catch in foul territory. You know, he's, he's uh, made that play often at Wrigley Field where he goes near that tarp and everything. So um, that's what I like, seeing that defense already show up. That's the one thing that they should be able to count on. And they should have last year as well. But I think that, again, points to how, you, how unique 2017 was coming off the World Series. But um, it's only two games, and that was good. And then the last thing is, you know, the big boys showed up yesterday. Rizzo, opposite field home run. Contreras, home run. Baez, triple to right field. So a lot of little things already in the first two games you got to like, even though it is spring training. Two games, Jesse, two different leadoff hitters. How does that? How is that shaping out so far? Yeah, and he's going back to Ian Happ today. So Happ gets it Friday and gets it Sunday. Uh, Elmore Saturday. Um well, I mean, there's not much to glom off of all that except that uh, they both were aggressive. Uh, Almora is very aggressive. I kind of forgot for a moment that he swings at many, many first pitches. Now, does that disqualify him from being the leadoff man? No. It's just a different feel, though. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, if you can get on by base hit or walk, that's fine. Um, Hap was swinging at first pitches as the leadoff guy Friday. It's not going to be Dexter Fowler, I don't think. Um both guys, for getting leadoff, need to learn how to work the count a little bit better just for their own sake. Pitchers are going to know the game plan, especially with Almora. They, they know he likes to swing at the first pitch. They're going to take advantage of that over time. So remains to be seen. Two games uh, showed nothing except that it was a reminder to me that both guys are more aggressive than less. Again, not anything really wrong with that, but to, to, to sort of round out their games, I think they're going to have to be a little bit keener at the plate. Jesse, one of the things that people said about Schwarber in the leadoff spot is he probably tried to do too much. Do you think there's a chance that these two guys, both being young guys in Almora and uh, Hap, could be doing the same thing and saying, well, listen, for Schwarber, he tried to do this. Now we got to go up and just be ourselves. you think it's messing with their head? Do you think they sat them down beforehand and talked to them about this? I don't know if they sat them down and talked to them. I mean, they certainly told them we're going to try you out at leadoff. Um, my guess would be the way Hap has said it to me, 
is they probably, if they gave advice, it was just don't change your game. And that's what Hap said. I'm not going to change my game. Both hitters are aggressive by nature. Okay. You don't want them to change their game. Schwarber is um, not passive, but does work the count more than those other guys. That's why he wasn't a bad candidate based on his skill set. Those two guys are aggressive, and they're saying, don't change your game. And I think that's the right attitude. I think they told Schwarber that. That's why I still don't believe he struggled because he let off. They didn't ask him to be more patient, take pitches. That's just part of his game. Um, and maybe he got out of it for whatever reason. He, maybe he was anxious. He missed a whole year, and he wanted to make up for it by swinging a lot. Who knows? But um, he was out of his game. So, in, in essence, in seeing Happ and Elmore swing like they are, they aren't changing who they are. But who they are isn't a complete offensive ball player just yet. So starting next week, starting Tuesday, really, is when Lester will start, and then Hendricks, and then Darvish, and then Quintana. Is that when we're going to see more of a realistic lineup behind those guys, or is Madden just going to keep putting in a few guys each day just to maximize the rest before the regular season starts? Yeah, no, it'll, it'll be a mix and match. It won't have anything to do with those starting pitchers. In fact, yesterday, I think probably for opening day, was, was a game where you had more of the starters than you normally will have over the next few weeks, for sure. Now, by mid-March, he'll be playing those guys a lot. But, uh, no, the starting pitcher won't really matter who's behind him on defense. It's all basically planned out, and then they'll change it based on a player. If Rizzo says, I want more bats, they'll they'll put him in a game they didn't normally have him scheduled for. Um, Don't forget Tyler Chatwood. He starts Monday. So um, we get all five going Monday through Friday here with, you know, maybe Darvish, the big one, but Chatwood as well. Any, Any guy making his debut is always interesting. Um, we were thinking maybe an Otani versus Darvish thing would be in play for next Friday, but they went with Darvish Thursday, and Quintana will face the Angels. And I, I think Otani's going to pitch Friday. I don't know that for sure. Jesse Rogers joining us for a few minutes from Arizona. Cubs get ready to play the Giants today, right? Yes, the Giants yeah. over in Scottsdale, one of the uh, cool venues in, in the Cactus League, and one of the toughest tickets normally. Now, it's been in the 50s, so I don't know how many people want to you know, watch a spring game at, at a top ticket, but if this game was you know, in mid-March with the, with the weather, you know, 80 degrees, sure. this would be one of the toughest, toughest tickets. Seriously, you could easily get a ticket to a Marlins or a Rays game regular season easier than you could here before, for this one. Before spring training started and uh, maybe even before uh, the Cub convention, there was talk about Zobrist and hoping to come in a little healthier and things like that. Has he worked out yet, or is it back pain still bad enough and what do you think do you think there's a possibility it could linger throughout the entire spring um of course it could they are confident it won't um it's one of those nip it in the bud early things it's it's um something that's a little strange he's in great shape he has lost weight but i don't know how great a shape you can be in if you haven't worked you know participated in a drill yet or taken batting practice more than in in the cage so uh, he did tweak it, not doing baseball stuff. He said it was about a week before he came out here. Again, I don't know if that's good or bad. You know, if he's just walking around, he tweaked his back. That's probably not good. So, it, it's going to be a little bit. It's going to be a few days at least um, before he gets back in drills, and probably another week. I mean, it, I think it sets him back. I, they can say what they want, but I think it sets him back. He wanted more spring at bats this year. So, what's he going to do now? Uh, load him up in, in March, maybe. But that's also not a good routine. You don't want to be going hard for two and a half weeks in March in the regular. You know, it just doesn't feel right. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It just doesn't feel right. Now, luckily, he's not a starter. 
You know, they Baez has the job at second. They've got an outfield if they want it of Schwarber, Hap Elmora, and Hayward. So he can do what he wants in terms of easing his way back in. He's not like the, I'll use the word that Madden likes to use, he's not the linchpin to the World Series, you know what I mean, um, this year. As much as he was a key member in 16, he is a part-time player. So it is what it is. Hopefully, though, when he does get healthy, they get something out of him because they didn't get much last year. You wrote yesterday about Joe Madden talking about the mound visits and whether he likes them or dislikes them. What did Madden have to say about them? Yeah, we went into detail about why the limit to mound visits is, it affects his team. Now, it's a different thought than John Lester had. John Lester um, was all about sign stealing. There's so much technology. He said that they need the mound visits to change up the signs. Madden's like, you know what, we'll figure that part out. We'll have different ways of changing up the signs without going out to the mound. His issue is game plan. He said two things in the dugout tick him off. When a guy misses a sign and when a catcher has the game plan in his head, insists on a pitch, the pitcher keeps shaking him off, eventually the catcher gives in, they throw the wrong pitch, and the ball is hit off the wall. That's exactly the way he put it. So many times Wilson Contreras goes out to the mound to remind the pitcher what the game plan is, uh, how to face this particular hitter. And now they may not be able to do that as much as the Cubs would like. So Madden actually was putting the onus on the pitcher to figure it out, you know, ahead of time. Make sure you know our pregame plan against each hitter and don't shake off the catcher as much, you know, all that stuff. So that was his concern. We've got to make sure pitcher is on the same page as the catcher. And once in a while, I think Wilson may forget the game plan as well. And the pitcher may call him out. So it's, it's on both sides. And, um, and this is where preparation is going to be even more key for them. So uh, they're going to use up their, their mound visits, but hopefully have at least one in, the, in their pocket late. So in case there's a key moment, Madden isn't forced to change pitchers just to get a scouting report in on a hitter. You don't want to have to do that um, unless, you are, unless you really do want to change pitchers. Different story. So that was his concern, and they will work with Mike Porzello, the catching coach, on this. And it's interesting, you Darvish, Tyler Chatwood, two new starters, I feel like that will be an issue with them more than the guys that have been here. Jess, I know this sounds silly. Uh, Abdallah probably is familiar with this because college football does it a lot. But a lot of times the uh, quarterback will look over to the sideline and they're holding up, you know, pictures of, you know, a movie star or some other stuff. Uh, Has any of this been brought up? Because with the catcher being limited in their, their mound visits and the manager and coaches being limited to mound visits, that maybe they look on over and they've got a, a set of signs that they actually will give to the pitcher, then it then kicks in, okay, now we change to this one, instead of having to worry about going out there. Yeah, there will be a set of signs, but not the signs you're thinking of. There oh, won't that'd be, be fun, though. With, that'd yeah, be fun. It would be. It would be. I like that idea. I mean, they can do the signs like they do, you know, signs all the time. Just, you know, you know tip the, touch the hat, right. touch, the, right. touch your shoulders, the whole thing. That'll be the signs. Um, and, and Madden said, we, ha- we have to add a little bit more it's going to be a little bit more complex now we're not talking about rocket science here right it's just like hey if you're forgetting to throw your slider we're going to give you a sign throw the god darn slider so it's uh yeah so it's a little bit of a work in progress and and i I will tell you that madden is is not not concerned he is a little concerned because it's about the eighth and ninth inning and that's when you will you, you there there might be a moment where you've used up your mound visits he doesn't care about the third inning but also in the third inning, you're going to have your mound visit. Right. So that's the issue here. At the most important time of the game, 
is when you may be out of mound visits, and it's something they have to deal with. See, it'd be great. You hold up the picture of Harry Carey, got the headshot of Ron <laughs> Santo. I mean, it'd be very cool. Yeah, Lester would love that. And then it would be one more thing for the fans behind the dugout to complain about because now they're going to have the netting there. I know you showed the picture of the netting that they put up at their uh, spring ball park, and that's going to be up at Wrigley Field, too. Obviously, you it's only been one game, so you haven't heard any comments, I'm sure. But have you noticed the difference? Um, not really. I mean, you, you notice it's there, right? It's just there because it's never been there for a hundred and whatever years. But once you're sitting, I don't think it's an issue. It's just like it isn't much an issue behind home plate, right? You yeah. many times sit there, and you, but no longer can you, you be there and a, and, a, and uh, a Bryant throw a ball over the dugout to you. You know, some interactions like that will be will, will be done. Um, there are many many times they they throw a ball and a pen during pregame warmups. Sure. So the better seats for that will be to the left of the dugout, you know, down third base, where there's no netting if you want to interact with the players. So that's a small thing, but it is a difference, and it is definitely noticeable, but not terrible in terms of watching because I think, you know, if you've ever sat behind home plate, you're used to it. Yeah, I'm very used to it. Yeah, I don't think it'll affect it. I mean, the only thing it'll affect is, is safety. I think once you, like, because I've sat behind the netting and you don't notice it after a while. No. Like, yeah, well, at least nobody will get hit with a uh, Addison Russell bathrobe because he's still going to yeah. do yeah, it. Yeah, but, right, he does do that. I meant to ask him about that. Like, is he happy about the netting? I don't know if he'd get upset. But um, <laughs> now, my view on this whole thing, though, is from dugout to dugout, including behind home plate, so where the nets are, it, you're going to have, well, it's just, Call it a thousand people. How many sit there? Two thousand, three thousand, whatever number of people not watching the game even more. That's my feeling. Like that, no, right. no netting makes you watch the game. You can see all these people behind the net looking at their phones because they know they're they're safe. So, um, uh, and I'm not, I'm only half kidding about that. I think that no, without right. the netting, you're you're more into the game without the netting. But I'm not I'm not advocating against it. It's fine. Safety is more important than 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 anything else. Um, but it is kind of interesting that. Um, I don't know. We, we we made it through 100 years, but then again, they weren't swinging the, the bats as hard and everything else. The balls are probably juiced, all that stuff. So it makes sense. No, and you know, it's funny, too, that you mentioned that, Jess, as we let you go. I was at a game a couple years ago on the south side. I know that doesn't surprise you, but, um, no. but, but the first batter hit a pop-up. And it was high enough where I thought I'd be able to catch it. I had a beer in one hand, of course, and, and it came down and landed right next to me. And with the force that it hit the, uh, the, the seat, not the seat, but the yeah. cement, I said to myself, okay, I'm glad that was a first pitch because now I'm going to make sure I see every pitch where I might have been a little lackadaisical. You know, you get a beer, you call for a vendor, you do yeah. this. When you're sitting there and that close, you've got to watch the game. And you're right. It's going to give these people now a, a sense of security where, listen, if I want to be, if my phone rings, I can talk it. I, I can get on it. I can order your food. I don't have to worry about watching each and every mm-hmm. pitch. You're right. Even more so than before. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but at least they'll be safe. They'll be safe, and, and the game has changed in the sense that they are stronger. Um, the bats are are made for for you know uh, more con, you know more hard contact. Right. But the biggest thing is we we all a lot of people not we all but a lot of people think the balls are are juice. So that combination of those three things. I mean, think about um, the steroid era. I don't know how people didn't get killed during that era. Right. I agree. Yeah. Bulked up, but it does feel like there are more of those line drives down the left field and right field line that can. That can kill someone, um, but uh, I don't, and I don't know what that's a result of. But it's probably a result of several different things. 
Well, Jess, uh, feel feel better. You've got uh, you know a couple of weeks still to go down in uh, Arizona. <laughs> couple as in a month. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and then off to Miami, beautiful Miami for four days. Yeah. So yeah, but the regular season's fun. This can get a little long. I mean, it's only for two spring training games, but you know, talk to me about three weeks. Like, oh man, I've seen enough Triple uh, A <laughs> pitchers to last a lifetime. But Giants Cubs today should be interesting to see how many regulars play for the Giants. Only a few for the Cubs. In fact, the three that played Friday, for some reason, Hap, Schwarber, and Listella get the get the uh, short straw when it comes to uh, you know road games. So they played Friday. They're playing today. Nobody else. But uh, we'll see Hap lead off again. This time, Listella batting second and Schwarber third. The other day, it was Schwarber and then Listella. But I think the key thing is that it's Hap at sure. the top and not Schwarber for many, many fans. Yeah, Jess, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Have okay. a good one. You got it, guys. Take care. Uh, Jesse Rogers out in Arizona as he is following the Cubs. And, uh, yeah, he's exactly right. I mean, you know, and even Joe Madden said it the other day. This roster is pretty much set. The 25-man is pretty much set. The only question is, does Peter Borges make the team instead of Listella? Listella's out of move, so if you don't bring him up, he's got to be put out there for other people to sign. And But other than that, you know, there's no there's no spots for to make it for this Cubs team. No more Jesse, then. <laughs> well, you know, part of him would be happy with that. that yeah, I mean, if he got to come home, probably he'd be he could, all right well, with it, he, yeah. He could promote his book a lot more. True, true. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the balls being juiced, and Jesse mentioned that as well. And I don't think the Cubs need a humidor the way the Rockies need a humidor, because yeah. it's very humid. And now here. Arizona's getting one. And now Arizona's going to get one, because they're... But, but, I'm not telling the Cubs how to do their job. I'm just saying a marketing opportunity mm-hmm. make a humidor make it open to the public as a cigar shop as well so you can go in you can see the balls there you, right and then like that's like the wall like the wall is the wall of balls the wall of balls yeah. and then you see the ump go in and get more balls before the game and everything and inspect them and all that kind of stuff and then you can also buy cigars there that's not a bad idea that's what i'm here for are you a cigar guy yeah yeah, I was. I I stopped. I haven't had one for about four or five years. But I was always a big. Usually, it's with guy with your buddies or yeah. out, you know, drinking or. I mean, not like this is obviously is not cigar weather. I'm not like. Oh, it is to cigar I'm weather not, though. See, I don't think it, I, I'm a spring to late fall cigar yeah. weather guy. Once it's like I'm not outside, you know, you know, trying to blast a cigar when it's 20 degrees outside. My cigar weather was usually when I go with my buddies down to Peoria for the state high school basketball tournament. Okay. We used to be at a place. This was years. Ago, where you could actually smoke. It was one of those holiday inns with the domes and all that stuff, and they okay. allowed people to smoke, so that was great. Yeah. You had the cooler of beer, you had the cigars, you just, now you can't really do that anywhere, which is fine. We always can find some place to smoke. Oh, yeah, I prefer it outside. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Four Winds Casino is a great place. They've opened a new one out in South Bend. Uh, Jay Hood's going to be there this coming Wednesday. Stop on by to see Hoodie from 6 until 8. And right now, the fifth caller at 312-332-3776. You get a $100 gift card for the Four Winds Casino out in South Bend. That's 312-332-3776. Fifth caller. We've got three of these to give away. We're giving the first one away to the fifth caller right here on ESPN 1000. Next, we're going to get into Fred's baseball notebook. I'm going to eat a bagel, and Fred is going to open up his notebook and talk to me about baseball because 
I don't follow uh, other teams very much besides the Cubs and Sox, so I imagine you will have lots of Cubs and Sox notes in it as well, but other uh, teams. Yeah, I got some little notes here and yeah, there. Yeah, so get me updated while I eat my breakfast and uh, read the paper like the rest of the guys that are listening. Sounds good. I actually had some, uh, I, had, I had watched some baseball yesterday. It was weird because the White Sox and the Mariners were on um, the MLB network, but because the game before them ran long, mm-hmm. They still played the game, but I think MLB Network showed the the game on tape delay. They did that with the Cubs' first game on Friday. They didn't yeah. start. It started at two o'clock uh, Central Time. They didn't start airing it until three. Yeah. So we're watching it in the studio, and they're like, "That scores wrong." I'm like, guys, it's yeah. they're an hour behind, and uh, they started airing it late. So yeah. we are on tape delay for spring games. So my baseball notebook coming up after this on ESPN One Thousand. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Ah, congratulations going out to Justin from Elk Grove as he won the first gift card that we had to give away today, a $100 gift card to Four Winds Casino in South Bend. Uh, ESPN 1000's Jonathan Hood will be there this Wednesday, February 28th from 6 until 8. Stop on by and catch him some blue and gold action as uh, they take on Pittsburgh. Uh, so head on out there in uh, C.J. Hood. And we got a couple more $100 gift cards to give away throughout the course of the show, so keep on listening. Um, my baseball notebook. I was sitting at home yesterday watching the White Sox and the Mariners, and I had to turn the sound down because I didn't want to know that much about Seattle Mariners. They interviewed Dave Sims, who's a... Who's who's been doing it for forever and also does some stuff at the MLB Network? They must have interviewed a different member of the uh, Mariners every inning. Now I know preseason baseball basically is when you get the you know your fans are watching and nobody knows who the play some of the players are. They talk to the director of player development. They talk to the guy I think that runs the stadium. They talk to a player. They talk to a player before he came into the game. He was on the bench. I didn't know who the guy was. Never heard of the guy before. And next next inning, he batted. And I said, okay, that's fine. So baseball is a great sport to use on DVR also. Well, I mean, you played getting to know you with Tracy Butler on, yeah. on Friday. So, yeah. you, I mean, you got to get to know people. You're going to be watching these guys all, uh, all, all well, year. Well, not the Mariners, I'm not. Well, you yeah, are, I know. but people in Seattle are. I guess. It's not that's the, what... this, the Mariners games aren't for you, Fred. No, they weren't. They weren't. Uh, but I did get a, a chance to see Jake Berger run around the bases. Oh. Because Jake Berger, uh, the uh, draft pick for the White Sox uh, last year, he uh, actually hit a ball. And the right fielder came in for it, got past him, and there's Jake Berger hustling all the way to third base. Uh, he probably could have made an effort to come home because uh, from second to third, he actually turned around just to look to see where the ball was, which you don't necessarily have to do. That's why you have a coach, but that's getting too particular. Um, so the White Sox won 5-3 to three over Seattle yesterday. Tyler Saladino, still there, still a guy the White Sox are going to have, and actually one of the guys you can still count on to get hit here and there. Uh, as Jesse mentioned, Rizzo had a two-run homer, Contreras a solo shot. They beat Texas. Um, Shohei Otani had his uh, first outing for uh, the Angels yesterday, and he wasn't good. Uh, two hits, two runs allowed, and one in the third innings. Okay. And um, so that I wanted to see. I was hoping that game was going to be on, but MLB Network during a commercial break did a great job of showing like all of the highlights of the two innings that he pitched. 
one and a third innings. They've been doing that. Uh, I've been watching some games on uh, MLB Network as well, and they you must have misplaced will, the remote. They will no, you didn't I, turn yeah. it off right away. Well, they will. They'll go. I was here, so <laughs> okay. I was here watching it. So. Uh, you can see that they'll they'll go like and if there's you know breaking the action yeah. or whatever they'll go and show you highlights which is good I that's like great that. yeah. yeah that uh, it almost led me almost led me to not get the extra innings package on Directv this year because I I do get it and they raised it up in price a little bit like they're also raising the Sunday ticket uh, Directv did which is I mean if you want to watch every game or get the chance to watch every game and still get the red zone and uh, all that stuff. I still do it. But starting this year, you can't write it off as much as you could do. Damn taxes. Um, <laughs> but So I still get it. But but the MLB does such a great job. The worst thing about the MLB during the regular season is when the MLB is doing a game at night. Because you don't get the highlights oh, okay. like you get everywhere else. That's that's the one reason I decided to keep the package. Plus, it only costs like 100 and a half or 180 for the year. And you love baseball. So. Well, I mean, I just got two tickets to see Todd Rundgren in Utopia across the street at Chicago Theater oh. in May. I bought two tickets. My wife goes, who are you going with? I go, I don't know. My two buddies who like Todd Rundgren, unfortunately, have both passed away over the last couple of years. Uh, so I got two tickets. She goes, well, why'd you buy two? I said, well... I went to a concert two years ago by myself, and I've, I'm hoping I can find someone to go with me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'll find someone. Or but, we uh, can have a sweet giveaway. Go see Todd Runger with, with Fred. Fred yeah. yeah. We may end up having to do that later <laughs> on. The concert's in May, so a week after my birthday. So we'll figure that one out. But one of the biggest things in baseball, and I know I'm interested in it, um, is what's going on with the other pitchers. Um, J.P. Morosi wrote on MLB Network. He says, you, Darvish, had his contract signed. Two weeks ago. Um, and since then, Jake Arrieta, Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb, they're all still out there. All still available and not for a lack of interest. One source said Saturday, the Brewers, Yankees, Phillies, Rangers, Orioles, and Nationals are all among teams continuing to monitor uh, for those top pitchers. Now, I've heard Arietta has interest from the Phillies, which would be great for the Cubs. Let Jake Arietta go to the Phillies, okay? Because you don't want Jake Arietta going to the Brewers, and you don't want Jake Arrieta going to the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, if Cobb or Lynn go there, that's fine. But I don't think you because if Arrieta went to the Nationals, that pitching staff would be better than the Cubs' starting rotation. Absolutely, it's pretty close now, yeah. just because of the guys they have on top of the rotation with Scherzer and with Strasburg. But then you go to Gio Gonzalez and you go to Tanner Roark, and um, and then. Um, it's good. Houston's is very good, but they're in the other league. You don't have to worry about them. But if Jake Arrieta signs with um, Milwaukee or the Nationals, that's a little concern. You've got to be a little concerned at that point. Well, it's also concerning if you're a fan of the team that they end up signing with because it's so late into the season now that we're into right. spring training when... Uh, I talked to Tom Verducci. He was like, well, I mean, this is obvious. That was a Everybody great interview for those people who want to go back and get it on the, the podcast. Thank you. Uh, well, pitchers and catchers, that, there's a reason they report early, especially to a new team. Yeah. Like Arietta. Look, I understand that you want y- your money and your, you want your years or whatever, but of, like something has to give eventually for him, for Cobb, you know, for all the other players that are yeah. out there. But. It, do you want to pitch or do you not want to pitch? Exactly. And some people had mentioned that there were some free agents that were going to hold out until the season started. And then teams, once teams realize, hey, listen, we really need a guy, maybe they could get the money. But then if you do that, then how long is it going to take you to get ready? A month? 
I mean, I don't know that that's a great thing. Well, they also, another great thing on MLB Network, if you get a chance, and I'm not going to be able to run the whole thing down, but Matt Kelly from MLB.com did a whole thing is, why is free agent Jake Arrieta still unsigned? He says, this isn't surprising to those who watched Arietta pitch last season, but Arietta's velocity might be the most concerning part of his profile. Uh, over the last three seasons, on each of his pitches per stat cast, his sinker from 95.3 to 94.5 to 92.2. His four-seam fastball, 95.1 to 94.2 to 92.1. His slider from 90.8 to 89.8 to 87.8. His changeup, 89.5 to 89.2 to 87.3. So, every mile per hour, I'm taking a year off that contract. Well, yeah, you know what? And there, there's a report out there that they said somebody, Philadelphia, may have offered... Jake, a three-year, $82 million deal. What's wrong with that? That's no, There's nothing wrong with that. If you're Jake Arrieta, you jump at that immediately. Forget about longer term. You're making more per per year than any yeah. of the guys out there. And then maybe you have a chance to fix your velocity, get it back up in that third year, and then, you know, I mean, you need more than $80 million, dude. All right. Yeah, we will talk about uh, a little bit more about Sox and Cubs baseball we come back. And we'll be joined by uh, a free agent. Kat Garcia. You can follow her at The Baseball Girl. I'm looking here. It says Baseball Writing Free Agent. So we'll check in with her. We'll talk some Cubs and White Sox baseball next. Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner, Eric Ostrowski working with us as always or as usual on a Sunday. Still waiting to see if Felix's wife has her baby. I don't know. That's probably more information than some people needed. But some people want to know. They want to know this information right here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I'm easy like Sunday morning. About two months ago, I thought Eric was just playing this because I'm old and he figured it would be a song I would know. And then I realized, oh no, it says Sunday morning in there. Yeah. Eric was, uh, you know, ahead of it. It's also a remix, too, yeah, that I happen to like as well. Is it a remix? Yeah, the beat is, is uh, a little more. Come on, you can't hit get that club vibe? No. <laughs> That's you know me. The last thing I would ever get would be a club vibe. Uh, Freddie Hubner, along with Adam Abdallah, here on ESPN One Thousand. We continue to talk some baseball as we go to the baseball columnist for WLS. First time I had a chance to have her on, Cat Garcia. Cat, how are you today? Great, thanks for having me, guys. No, it's it's great to get you on. I was looking at your uh, Twitter account, and uh, it says here, baseball writing free agent. So it's no better time to have a baseball writing free agent on than before the season gets underway, right? Yeah, that's right. We're we're getting ready. It's crunch time now. Yeah, you know, you look at uh, the Cubs and White Sox in training camp, and I did see something. I hope I'm not stealing Adam's thing, but I did see something on the site. You you think that Mike Moustakis is not a bad idea for the White Sox. I want you to explain why. I think for for one year it wouldn't be a terrible idea because, you know, you don't want Matt Davidson eating up most of the plate appearance time that, you know, at third base because, you know, he just has a really unreasonable strikeout rate. And the, when he does produce power, it's great. But when he's going up to the plate and he's striking out some 30-something percent of the time, you kind of want to give those plate appearances maybe to someone else. And I think Musakis would be a great, you know, addition to the clubhouse. He'd be great for just a one-year deal to kind of bring everything together. And, you know, at this point, he's he's unsigned. So it could it could end up working out. 
Uh, what do you think uh, can James Shields rebound this year and have a season that Sox fans can actually enjoy as opposed to hate every time he takes the ball? You know, actually, we did see in the end of last season, he kind of changed his arm slot. He dropped down a little bit more, and that's when, you know, the team started to see a little bit more improvement with him. If he can continue to, you know, whatever he was tweaking in uh, the end of the season, if he could continue on with that, I think he might be able to put together at least somewhat of a successful season. So, like you said, it's not, oh, no, James Shields every fifth day. Kat, do you think that, I mean, I mean, players for the White Sox have to be excited, obviously, and have to be encouraged by what they have coming up, and they have to be positive. And it seemed like last week there was a lot of talk where, you know, you don't know, we might be able to surprise Joaquin Soria and, you know, uh, uh, Nate Jones saying this team could surprise her. You know, Dan Plesak actually said that the White Sox could actually challenge for a wild card spot. Should, should fans be a little more reserved? Because that seems like a big jump. And I mean, I'm, I've been a Sox fan my whole life. That seems like a big jump to go from where they were last year to the possibility of challenging for a wild card spot. I wouldn't say that it's out of the question. I mean, of course, everything would have to be firing on all cylinders. You know, we'd have to see production from Mancata that was sustainable, from Giolito, Lopez. Everyone would have to carry their weight, and it would be a very strategic thing that would have to happen. Um it really depends also on what happens in the second half of the season. If, you know, Michael Kopech comes up and he ends up producing well, you could see some sort of change where they are in, you know, place to run for that wild card spot. Kat Garcia joining us here on ESPN 1000. Speaking of Kopech coming up, I don't know what your thought was last year. I kind of thought Moncada came up a little bit early. I know that Rick Kahn was saying at the time a little bit, and again after the year was over, that he really had nothing else he could prove at AAA. What do you think about Eloy Jimenez and Kopech? What, do you think they should come up around the same time? Do you think those are two guys the White Sox could or should wait until just make them September call-ups? Um, I wouldn't say that they're going to wait that long. Um, Rick Hahn seems to be really, really adamant about the fact that as much as Eloy Jimenez thinks he's ready, he wants to prove himself, he wants to come to the big leagues. You know, he's pretty much already a part of the big league field. You know, everyone's so excited about him. He wants him to be ready, and he wants Eloy to see the things that he needs to improve on in the minor leagues before he comes up. Rick Hahn is very, very big on, you know, checking all of the boxes before a player comes to the major leagues. So I think probably in the second half of the season, we might see some a call-up of Jimenez. As far as Kopech, Rick Hahn stated that, you know, he's only played 15 innings in AAA. Um, he's got the stuff, but, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to rush someone from AA through AAA and then straight to the majors and then put all that expectation on them. So I think... We really have to wait with this development process for these guys. Uh, Yohan Moncada might have come up a little early uh, after his trade to the White Sox. He had just eight home runs and t- uh, 22 RBIs in about 230 plate appearances. Can he have a breakout season this year? Yeah, I definitely think that he can. I mean, the we saw solid numbers from him in the time that he was up just last year. And, you know, he was a little rough around the edges. He was striking out a lot, but he still produced. And we're seeing a lot of great uh, defensive plays from him already. So I think this year is definitely going to be his breakout season. 
One reason we're, we're asking you tons of White Sox questions is, and we have the same problem when we have our guy Jesse on, there's just not that much to talk about with the Cubs until the season starts. They know who their five pitchers are. The only question, it seems like, from the north side is who's going to be their leadoff man and why. Do you have any other questions or concerns when it comes to Cub baseball? You know, I really don't. I just think that this is kind of going to be, I don't want to say a down year, but I think it's going to be a little bit of a transitional year for the Cubs because, you know, we are seeing the back ends of some of these contracts that were put into place for the purpose of winning the World Series kind of die down. We're seeing the end of the John Lester contract. You know, Ben Zobrist is getting up there in age. Uh, so we are going to see a lot of development from the younger guys, but I think this is going to be a little bit of a transitional year for the Cubs. I guess the biggest question is who's going to lead off, whether it's going to be by committee or if Madden's going to try Schwarber again or Al Moro, whoever. Who do you think should lead off for the Cubs? At this point, I mean, it is, again, they have so many talented players that it's really kind of uh, you could throw names in a hat and pick them out. I'd like to see what Almora could do in the leadoff spot, to be honest. I think that would be very interesting. He's an interesting character. You know, he kind of broke out last season, and I think giving him a little more um, weight would be really, really beneficial for him. Just kind of see how that plays out. Another minute with Kat Garcia here on ESPN 1000. And, and Kat, a lot of uh, Cub fans, I don't know if they're even hoping anymore. I think they're just hoping that it, he he's not as bad as he was last year, and that's Jason Hayward. We keep hearing that he's working on his swing. We keep hearing that Chili Davis could possibly do wonders with him. What are your thoughts uh, about Jason Hayward going into this season? You know, at this point, this is going to be, what, the third season that we're waiting for Jason Hayward to kind of pick it up. I think at this point, you kind of have to accept where he's at. And hopefully Chili Davis can, you know, change something up with him. I'm very interested to see with the new coaching staff coming in what's going to happen. But it's not as if Jason Hayward is a bust. I mean, everyone knows that power was never going to be the one tool that he really brought to the table. He's never been much of a power hitter. You know, his on-base is solid. You know, he worked on the ground ball issue last year. So I think, you know, people need to kind of lay off him at this point, you know. Well, you know, and people talk so much about launch angle and stuff like that. Whoever they are, they should make sure that they get to him. Because, the you know, there were there were guys here at the station that wanted to start, you know, change his number to 4-3 because of all the ground balls to second base. So hopefully those things get better this this year. Cat, we appreciate you jumping on for a little bit. Uh, hopefully it's a great season for both sides of town. Then we'll both have a lot. We'll all have a lot to talk about, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sounds great. Cat, thanks a lot for jumping on. Thanks for having me, guys. Kat Garcia, the uh, columnist for uh, WLS, the baseball columnist, also the baseball writing free agent. You can follow her at the baseball girl. And the first thing we said when we saw her Twitter handle, she probably had to grab that early. Oh, absolutely. It's not, I, I mean, if, if I just had the baseball old man, I probably can get that, the baseball old man. I guarantee you. you think? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the baseball old man. You think someone's got that one? I don't think anybody has that. That's, yeah, see, That's you. I should grab yeah. that one right away. The baseball old man. That could be my secondary account where I make fun of people. <laughs> I'm I'm seeing if there's one more real quick. Okay. Old man baseball is still available as well. Now see that that's amazing that those two are available. I think you should I think you should grab a hold yeah. of that one just in case. You old, never know. Yeah, you never know. Sell you, to the highest bidder. You do never know. Hey, speaking of highest and speaking of uh, grabbing something, what? uh fifth caller. 
at uh, 312-332-3776. You can grab a $100 gift card to Four Winds Casino in South Bend. Jay Hood will be there Wednesday night from 6 to 8. You can stop by, see him, use the $100 at one of the uh, many restaurants. You can stop by, do some gambling. They've got more than 1,800 games there. That is the uh, Four Winds Casino in South Bend. The fifth caller, 312-332-3776. You pick up the second of our three $100 gift cards we're giving away today right here. Uh, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner, Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Ah, congratulations to Mike from Roselle. He wins a $100 gift card to Four Winds Casino in South Bend. We've got one more to give away, and don't forget... If you're thinking about heading out in the area, Jay Hood will be out there this coming Wednesday from 6 until 8. Stop by, say hi to Jay Hood. Um, he will be out there in South Bend. Put it all in black while you're out there. Yeah, you know what? I play roulette all the time. I love roulette. Yeah, it, it's weird because I, I play the same numbers all the time. And people say, well, why would you do that? Well, because if your numbers hit, you're going to make a lot of money. And if they don't hit, you're done right away. True story. I was leaving and we're gonna, Nick Friedel's gonna join us. He was there. Uh, my bachelor party in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm out. I'm leaving. Got my bag, leaving the hotel. I've got whatever, three, four dollars, single dollar sure. chips or whatever. So I walk by the roulette table and they go, Oh, what do you, what do you want to do? I gotta do something with these. I'm not gonna cash these right. out. And I go, ah, I'll put it on, I'll play roulette real quick. Cause we were waiting for everybody to meet in the lobby. Yeah. And, uh, I go, well, I'll put, I'll put all three of them on 19. That's the date I was going to get married, October 19th. I put them on 19. It hit. Very Not nice. Even, on my way out Very of nice. my bachelor party. That's the way to do it. I play down the middle. All, if the middle row hits, the odds are I'm going to win. I play, I play five, uh, five, eight, 23, 32. I didn't play 23, and I got so tired of people going, MJ, and I'm going, that's yep. it. Every time now, I'm playing it because I can't stand it when I, me being a Chicago sports guy, didn't have 23. You always got to play MJ. Oh you play God. 23, 34. I told someone, someone said, you're playing 32. Why you play 32? And the OJ, I said, no, I just, I, I just play 32. You I don't play know what it is. one for Rose to help him out? No. When Adidas <laughs> ditches him? <laughs> we go up to uh, parts unknown. Maybe Minneapolis, maybe <laughs> maybe Detroit. You never know where he's going to be. It's a where in the world is Nick Friedel. Hello, Nick. Hello, guys. How are we? Well, where are you at right now? Minneapolis. Okay. So, waiting for yet another flight back to Chicago. At what point, uh, at how long after Jimmy Butler's injury did you get the text or email to tell you that you need to change your plans and go to Minnesota for yesterday's game? Yeah, I think it was like an hour. Okay. It was like an hour. Because I, I figured as soon as I saw Adam, as soon as I saw that replay, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I had I had just enough for one night. I was in Detroit at that Celtics game the other night, and I'm going, all right, you know, it will be nice to, to be at home for the weekend. I had gone to that Bulls-Sixers game on Thursday, and that was insane because of the complete meltdown uh, that the Bulls had in the final 30-plus seconds there. And then I saw that replay, and all the old feelings came back, and I went, oh, no. Is, <laughs> is Jimmy really hurt? Uh, you know, I knew the Tibbs minutes questions were going to be <laughs> coming fast and furious. Uh, and and then, uh, like clockwork, uh, I get the text, and uh, here I am. 
Was anybody brave enough to ask, ask Tibbs about the uh, minutes issue? Uh, no. <laughs> I didn't Yet think again, so. Freddie, uh, you know, everybody, all, all my friends in the Bulls PR department are going to go, see, there you go. Nobody <laughs> wants to, nobody wants to touch, uh, touch that topic with the, uh, the beast there. But, uh, I, I'm still curious and I, I, I in, in seriousness, I, I want to talk to Jimmy, uh, at some point. I, he was here last night at the game, but, you know, he wasn't in the mood to be interviewed. He right. Was, uh, he was actually here for a uh, make a wish uh, to uh, to grant a wish to uh, uh, a, a child and his family. But uh, I want to see whether or not it was Jimmy just turned wrong and it was non-contact that way, or when you watch that replay from Friday night in Houston, uh, Nene right before Jimmy went down, he kind of rolled into the back of his knee. Uh, and then maybe that had something to do with uh, with what transpired a few seconds later. So, uh, you know, there's a there's a couple different uh, the, a couple different options there as to how the injury occurred. But you know, Tom knows exactly what's being said. Uh, Jimmy certainly knows the storylines that have been out there over the years with Derek, with with Joe Keem, with <laughs> Lou Altang. Uh, so th- that's not going anywhere. And Freddie, I had to laugh because I'm sitting there at this game last night, and you know the Timberwolves have pulled away. Yeah. I look up at the clock. There's like two minutes left. Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns are still on the floor, and I'm going, "Oh, I have seen this before." Uh-huh. So Tom is who he is. He believes what he believes. He learned it straight from from Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, you know, over the years, uh, spending so much time together, but. I mean, depending on on what shakes out, and if Jimmy is able to make it back before the playoffs, like he's he's telling some of his his close confidants here, I mean that it's just it's never going away. It's part of the storyline uh, with Tibbs, and and it always will be because of how he handles uh, how he doles out minutes. Well, Jimmy's no Derek. He, when he's healthy, he's going to play. So Yahoo's reporting that. It's going to be four to six weeks after the surgery that he is going to have surgery to repair it. He's going to be out four to six weeks, and then he should be back for the playoffs. How effective is he going to be? And is there going to be – I mean, there's probably going to be a minutes restriction whether or not Thibodeau and Jimmy adhere to that. But how effective is he going to be after a torn meniscus? Yeah, I mean, Adam, those are all fair questions. Uh, And the the thing – and the caveat to all of those – before we even got to that discussion is, I mean, I've been around the Timberwolves off and on throughout the entire season. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs because the back end of that Western Conference playoff picture is so tight. And after they've got a game in Sacramento, uh, I believe tomorrow night, uh, Minnesota does. Uh, Sacramento doesn't want to win games. I mean, they're like the rest of the tanking teams uh, in the back there. But then after that game... Uh, Minnesota's got eight straight games against teams with a, a 500 record or better. Teams that want to go to the playoffs. Teams like uh, Golden State and Boston and Houston again. So, I mean, that stretch is brutal. Uh, so, can they hang on? Yeah, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns and, and Wiggins are going to have to play much more consistently than they have. Uh, because it's one thing to play the Bulls and the Kings, teams that don't want to win right now. It's another thing to, to, to play teams that, 
uh, have an interest in in trying to uh, to get to the postseason. So yeah, uh, going back to uh, to what what we were saying there. Look, when Jimmy does come back, you can't run him out there. Even even Tom knows this. You can't go play him forty eight minutes. I don't care if it's the playoffs. But the the reality is. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out because there are a couple different uh, layers here. Uh, Jimmy wants to be out there, but Jimmy also has a massive contract extension potentially hanging in the balance. So I am sure as a competitor he wants to help his teammates. But the the flip side of this is, look, if you want that mega super max that, that James Harden got, you want the Timberwolves to tear up the end of your deal and, and have a new one, uh, are you willing to risk coming out after uh, a meniscus injury like that in and in, in trying to uh, to play at the same high level? I mean, all those things we're going to find out uh, over time here. But I mean, the Timberwolves right now sit at three. I would be stunned uh, if they're anywhere close to that. If and when Jimmy actually does return, uh, on top of the fact, guys, that. Uh, you lose a few games, you go on a bad losing streak right now with the way the back end of that, that West picture is, uh, you might be on the outside looking in. You know, you look at it, and I know that you didn't plan on looking at the Bulls game, but then you you were there. So, And I think I mentioned this to you last time I talked to you. Noah Vonley, after the first game where he looked like he didn't know what the hell he was doing on the floor, um, he's actually he actually can shoot the three. He actually can rebound. Uh, I think yesterday they they got him out because they didn't want to win the game. He was three or four from the field. He was two or three from three. He had six rebounds in thirteen minutes. Um, may, is there a possibility that when they get good, this is guy this guy's still around? Yeah, Freddie, the answer there is yes. And uh, sitting there watching the game with uh, the other beat writers, the running joke. Uh, or, the, or I shouldn't even say joke, the running conversation uh, throughout the uh, those minutes that Vonley was on the floor was, hey, is this guy an actual uh, legit NBA pro? And he's had some moments. I mean, in Portland, uh, it, it wasn't like he was you know completely uh, devoid of any talent. This is, a, a, I believe, a top ten lottery pick uh, coming out of Indiana. So, uh, yeah. There's a chance, and that's the whole reason why when Portland calls and says, hey, we need some help to get out of the tax, yeah. you want this guy for free, essentially, uh, then the Bulls said, sure, you know, we'll take a look. And this is what uh, John Paxson was referring to in, in giving the younger players a, a chance and, and an opportunity. So, yes, if he keeps playing like this, uh, he's going to have a chance. I mean, David Nawaba, Freddie, very clearly has shown that not only is he an NBA player, but there's going to be a lot of interest in him as a free agent this summer. And I'm sure that's a guy that the Bulls would love to re-sign. And, you know, on top of everything else, we know with Dunn and Markkinen, although Markkinen's kind of hitting that rookie wall the yeah. last couple of games, and Levine, there's your core but, oh, by the way, Bobby Portis, yet again last night, comes in and, and you just go, whoa, okay, like uh, instant offense and, and instant intensity. So uh, Bobby has really turned the corner in his development. So there are a lot of promising signs for this team, despite the fact that they keep losing games. But, again, the losses are by design at this point. Uh, and if you're a Bulls fan, you just got to hope that the uh, ping-pong balls bounce your way a couple months from now. What's wrong with Markin and Shot? 
I think he's just tired. I mean, I, I think uh, after all the games, Adam, that he played uh, coming into the break, and then you go out to L.A. and you know he's playing in that Rising Stars Challenge. Uh, he's just not used to this much basketball. And you know the the one thing the Bulls personnel always mentioned, they were really happy to see him play as well as he did uh, in the uh, for for Finland over the summer in the uh, the European Championships there. But that is a ton. You know he played his year at Arizona. He goes in. Uh, he plays for Finland over the summer. Uh, he's played in uh, a vast majority of the Bulls games this season. Uh, he also became a father. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that's happened uh, to a 20-year-old kid. And, look, he's a pro now. There's no excuse for having that much talent and going out and scoring three points. But every rookie goes through ups and downs. And Markkanen is just the latest example of the guy who is adjusting to the NBA uh, life and the schedule. And I would expect for him to try to finish really strong down the stretch. But I, I just think when you watch him, he's just kind of uh, he's, he's trying to, uh, to get his feet underneath him again, and he's trying to shake off uh, just kind of the doldrums that, that every rookie goes through at, at certain points in that first season. Well, then, if I'm the front office, it's not, if I'm John Paxson, I, I look at Monday's game as a prime opportunity against the Nets to say, hey, Markkinen, Lowry, sit this one out, get some rest, right? Yeah, I mean, look, anything is possible right now. And as much as the Bulls want uh, Dunn and Markkinen and Levine and Portis, uh, you know, at at various times to play together, they want to lose. I mean, let's, let's not twist this thing around. The front office knows what's at stake. That's why Adam Silver's trying to fix the, the tanking issue. It's beneficial, guys, for teams to lose. Uh, I think Tim McMahon, our, our, our friend from ESPN, who's based in Dallas. He well, had, he's our friend. I'm not sure about your friend or not. Yeah, well, he's, exactly. <laughs> he wouldn't, he, exact, Fred, he wouldn't commit to being my friend. Exactly. Like, our, exactly. My colleague. How about that? Uh, but Tim had this stat last night on Twitter. It was like, the teams in that bottom seven or eight uh, who have been losing all these games, the tanking teams, they've lost 44 games in a row. When yeah. you go look at the NBA standings on ESPN.com, <laughs> you see the bottom of both uh, conferences, and you see all these teams just L, 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 L. So it is very difficult. And, and Adam, uh, absolutely, if you're uh, the Bulls with the Nets who, who don't really care where they land because they don't have – uh, their own pick uh, in the draft lottery. Those are absolutely games you should lose. So I know they want marketing to, uh, to break out of his little slump here, uh, but yeah, that would make sense. Like, hey, take a break, uh, you know, get get some rest, and you know, we'll see you. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you in Charlotte, and hope for uh, better days to come. Well, he's probably getting more rest on the road away from like he just had a kid, right? right. Yeah, he's probably yeah. getting more sleep on the road than he is at home if he's up helping out with everything, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I can't say I know the inner workings of yeah. uh, the the marketing household, but if it's like uh, well, all on. the rest of my friends that are having babies all over the place, yeah, I know, Freddie, I'm you screwing up here. Yeah, but uh, but any any one of my friends that just had a baby is like, look, man, I mean, you don't sleep. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me, but your life is totally different. 
and I am sure Lowry in his own way is going through that as well. So uh, <laughs> either way, uh, I think that he's going to he's going to have much better games than, than he's had recently. Uh, but but you're right. Like why not? Why not give him a game here and just say, hey, take a break, uh, get some rest, and uh, you know, hope for uh, <laughs> hope for hope for the uh, the rust and and everything else to shake off here. Okay, Nick. In under a minute, because you got to go. In under a minute, would you would you prefer that Syracuse paid their players and had a chance in the NCAA tournament, or do you like it the way it is where they have no shot? Well, well, then, then we're acknowledging that you know they're clean as a whistle, as I fully believe, Freddie. So, I, look, Adam and I, well, all three of us have had this conversation for years. College basketball and college football are just the dirtiest of the dirty. Uh-huh. It, it, they're all dirty. Like I, I, I love Syracuse. I bleed orange completely. Am I naive enough to think that they have never broken? <laughs> one rule of any kind ever. Carmelo I, wanted to go there. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. I, it's but but it's all dirty. It's it's just it's filthy. Like the yeah. underbelly of those two sports uh, are what they are, and uh, you know the FBI wiretaps and everything else. Everybody's going, oh, I can't believe this. Can't believe this. I mean, what what do you think blue chips was centered around twenty five years ago? Easily, I, right? This is this is unbelievably just. Uh, nasty the, the the underneath there and I don't know as somebody who loves uh, both sports I, I don't know how anybody's going to be able to, to fix the issue and, and there's the real problem Nick enjoy your flight home and uh, maybe sleep in your bed for an hour or two before they send you somewhere else how about that I, I'm not going to know what to do I just I want to just get home and lay there for a second and see what happens there you go thanks all for jumping on Nick alright bye guys see ya Nick Friedel, as uh, he is in Minnesota, he is uh, on his way back home, and when he gets home, they'll probably find a message that says, hurry up, get back to the airport, you got to go somewhere else. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was half joking with him when I said, when are you going to have to go to Minnesota? But then he actually had to get up and go to Minnesota, but that's, that's fine. I, I almost wish the Nets were playing for their own pick, because it'd be fun to see the ref throw the ball up for the jump ball and neither team jump. For yeah. it, just to see how it would go. What's crazy is the Nets should be playing for something because they don't they don't care. They're still so bad. Yes, like, they are. It doesn't matter. Like they're still god awful. The Bulls are probably going to win on Monday and mess up the tank a lot. Well, and more. you bring up a great point because yesterday was the first of three straight road games for the Bulls. So they play Monday and Tuesday night, or no, Tuesday and Wednesday night, both on the road. I mm-hmm. think right. Is mm-hmm. it Tuesday Wednesday? Um, both road games, Brooklyn and Charlotte. No, okay. tomorrow night's Brooklyn. Oh, so tomorrow night Brooklyn, yeah. mm-hmm. and then okay. Well, they play. There's a back to back somewhere around here uh, this week. I'm not sure if it's Monday, Tuesday, or Tuesday, Wednesday. It might be Monday, Tuesday. Um, but anyway, three straight road games, and it, it is a perfect time probably to rest the Larry Markin and you know let Holiday play or let Lopez play and don't dress Markin. What's the big deal? What's the difference? Well, so Monday they'll play at Brooklyn. Tuesday they go to Charlotte. Charlotte. Okay. And then they don't play again until Friday when they come home for three straight against uh, Dallas, Boston, and Memphis. We know Zach Levine isn't going to play against Charlotte. That's part of his rehab is he does not play in back-to-backs. Correct. You're right. So he will not play against Charlotte. That's gonna. That's not part of the tank. That's no. part of his rehab. Yeah. But I would say, hey, said Markinen one day. Yeah. Levine on Tuesday. Let Lopez back and play. Let Holiday back and yeah. play. Have those guys play. But I would sit Markinen 
and Levine. Both, I mean, not Levine, maybe not in Brooklyn, but Levine for sure to, uh, Tuesday. And sit, sit yeah. Lowry. He's tired. Let him get some rest. It's a perfect excuse for the tank. Let me ask you a question. Murph brought up a point yesterday, which I thought was actually a really good point. Um, Mark Cuban got fined $600,000 for saying the word tank. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the Bulls are sitting Lopez and Holiday for no apparent reason other than to tank. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they fined? Because they're not saying tank. Yes. So because he said one word. Yeah. Even though a third of the league is doing it. You can't just say that you're doing it. You you just do it. You can't go out and say that we're trying to lose games. We're trying to affect the way the outcomes of our so games. So you're supposed to lie to everybody. You're not lying. You're just not playing them. You're not lying. You're just not telling. Like, like if you don't ask me something and I don't tell you something, am I lying to you? You're withholding information. Not you, but you didn't ask for the information. But you're still withholding Look, it. I, I said it earlier uh, this morning that I think that the Adam Silver is very progressive. He's a very well-informed and very progressive and always open to new ideas and all that kind of stuff in perfecting the league and making the league a better place. They're already altering the way that the lottery is going to be to right. um, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. They're going to have to do more. They're going to they have to do more. And I think he will find a way to address the sitting of stars because there is no reason for you to be sitting Lopez. And they asked Lopez about it. They're like, how do you feel about the, quote, demotion? And he's like, well, I don't like it, but I would like to be here long term. And I would like to, you know, see this right. rebuild through. But, yeah, when you see a game and they're like, oh, well, you're sitting these guys. The reason that there isn't more attention being paid to them is because the Bulls are never on national TV. Right. So it doesn't matter. Like, you're not seeing, like, if, if this Charlotte game was on national TV and they were sitting Levine and it wasn't part of his rehab, they would say something if yeah. they sat. But because they're not on national TV, nobody cares. There are 30 teams in the NBA. Eight of the 30 are tanking. Mm-hmm. And the Bulls are eighth right now. And, of course. They're also the worst at tanking. And, and, and what I was going to say, and what Nick had said, um, Tim McMahon, who wrote this, um, the Bulls have lost three in a row, and I'm going backwards now, or forwards, whichever you want to go, because Tankathon, go to tankathon.com. I told they you about it. It's, it's the greatest, oh, isn't it? That's unbelievable. Plus, you can hit a button and they simulate the lottery. I did it before, oh my I came, God. before I came down here today. I must have hit it like 15 times, and every time the Bulls had the eighth pick. Oh, I'll I, do it I right now. It, I did it once, and they got the first pick. Well, they got the third pick there this time. There you go. There you go. But if you go to go to Tankathon, and they have what the standings look like bottom up, okay? Yeah. And what they don't list is what their records are. Here's what they are. Right now, Phoenix is the worst record in the NBA. They've lost nine in a row. Dallas has lost four in a row. Atlanta, three in a row. Orlando, five in a row. It Sacramento, three in a row. They have the record, but not how many, not wins and losses. Get this. Well, you know what? When you print it, it doesn't come out. Oh, when you, okay. So Fien- the Suns are 18 and 43. Dallas is 18 and 42. Atlanta's 18 and 42. Orlando and oh, no, Sacramento. they have the record, but they don't have how many they've lost in a row. That's oh, what I'm okay. saying. So da- he's exactly right. They've not won a game. Phoenix nine in a row, Dallas four in a row, Atlanta three in a row, mm-hmm. Orlando five in a row, Sacramento three in a row. And then you get to the two teams right in front of the Bulls. Memphis has lost nine straight. Brooklyn's lost eight in a row. You want to know what the other the other bad part about this is? Uh, if you go further past the end of the lottery, the Pelicans have won four in a row. Yeah. Like, they're almost a lottery team, but they've won four in a row. I know. You got to get them losing. But yes. Damn Nico. 
Couldn't he go there and lose? We come back. We'll talk more about the NBA. The co-host of Buckets. You want to know what that is? Well, Rob Perez will join us. We'll talk about that. It's Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Durant hitting Curry on the inbound. Curry going to dart toward the rim, circles with three, pass to an open young left corner, triple up, and in at the horn to end the third. 14 straight Warrior points to end the quarter. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Ah, you heard that on ESPN Radio yesterday, and yeah, that one got out of hand quickly. At the end of the third quarter, the uh, Warriors go on to score 60 points in the second half compared to just 35 for Oklahoma City. It was a, it was a good game, and then all of a sudden, uh-oh, it was uh-oh time. Oh, there are a few things that give me life, like Nick Young hitting a corner th- open corner <laughs> three like that. And a great pass. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, tremendous pass. Yeah, a really nice pass. And again, I've mentioned I'm not the largest. Well, I might be the largest NBA fan. I'm I'm not the biggest NBA fan. But working with you and Chris Black, who we hope gets better soon. He's out sick today. Uh, working with you guys on Sunday, you have forced me to watch the NBA on Saturday nights. So last night, I told my wife, no, I could not watch Celebrity uh, Big Brother. I had to watch the Bulls and Minnesota for us here, and I had to also watch the network game. Listen, we'll just set you up with one of those clockwork orange machines. Oh, with your eyes watch, open? Yeah, and yeah. make you watch Endless NBA <laughs> League Pass. Or I could just go on Twitter and track down Buckets, and that's we bring in Rob Perez, the co-host of Buckets, powered by Cycle. Rob, how are you today? Doing good. I'm glad that we could get you back onto the NBA train, because last night there was no shortage of drama. That's for sure. You were talking about that Nick Young corner three. You forgot to mention he was standing there shimming in front of the Thunder's bench for five seconds, and then what Russell Westbrook looked like he was about to throw hands with them. So the NBA can provide more than just basketball. Well, there are a few instances in that game where it got a little testy. You had Durant against Carmelo Anthony. I think Carmelo Anthony would have won that matchup hands down. And then you had all the Westbrook uh, with Pachulia stuff. What, what do you think? Uh, what did you take away from that game yesterday besides the Warriors just completely blowing them out? Yeah, so the Warriors prove to us that they don't even show up to games anymore. They show up to quarters. So when they show up to a specific quarter and they decide that they want to win, guess what? The game is over. But with the Warriors, there's always controversy, controversy and drama. You've got the Draymond Green, you know, he's, he's celebrating and then he gets a technical foul for celebrating because he's got that reputation. You've got Zaza Pachulia, who is, I don't want to say purposely falling, but if you watch the replay, it's like he aimed his whole seven-foot body onto Russell Westbrook's legs, even though he was taken down by Nick Young. Uh, It's just another day in the life of the Golden State Warriors. When you're this good, everyone is going to be watching you with a magnifying glass. But I will say, regarding the Draymond Green issue, He's already at 15 technical fouls for the year, one away from a suspension. And then you've got Zaza falling onto Westbrook's legs, which is causing Westbrook to go into the post-game press conference, saying, yeah, that was dirty. Where there's smoke, there's fire in this league, both on and off the court. So was this particular situation like a that, the headline issue? Not particularly, but these are things that Zaza, all the way back to the Atlanta Hawks days and Draymond Green throughout his career, these issues have plagued this team, but it's also what makes it so fascinating. 
Rob Perez, uh, co-host of Buckets, joining us here on ESPN 1000. And uh, years ago, I'm not going to say how many, uh, I was working at a radio station, and we had a young intern from Northwestern that came in to work with us. Her name was Cassidy, and all of a sudden now I see her sitting on a, on chairs next to you. Um, when will we see the next uh, episode of Buckets? Because uh, I know she's been traveling. She's been busy, all, all-star games and games on Friday nights and everything else. She's been all over the place. When can we see the next episode? Yeah, she is the hardest working person that I think I've ever worked with. If she's not doing Buffett, she's flying to another city to get ready for a report. She's in the studio doing hosting. She does digital stuff as well on Snapchat. So uh, I can't tell you the last time she's had a day off in regards to our next show of Buckets. Uh, we're actually going to have some news and an announcement regarding a little bit of a, a show structure change coming out uh, at the beginning of March. So I'd say within the next couple weeks, uh, we're going to have something new to present to the Bucket viewers uh, that we're used to. You know, we did 10 episodes of this whole uh, lens into basketball culture, and we're going to continue to do so just uh, with a little bit different of a presentation. One of the best things about the NBA is how petty all the players are. You do a great job on Twitter with the petty wars and people find, you know, point them out to you now at this point. Like you got your own little army of, of petty wars people that will tweet them to you and let you know, be, become aware of when players are being petty. What makes the NBA so great at being petty and who is the be- the pettiest player, I guess, in all the NBA? What makes the NBA great isn't just the product of basketball itself. I mean, there's basketball leagues all around the world if you're looking for you know, fundamentals and stuff. What makes the NBA different is that it is a 24-7 soap opera. Whether it's going down on the court with the Zazan Draymond thing last night, or if you go to post-game, you have Kyrie Irving. As soon as that game ended, he saw a highlight on Instagram, and he said that the league needs to look into this because this is BS. So there's always something going on, whether the, the players feel empowered by these keyboards that they're willing to cryptically subtweet another player. You guys saw what Miritich tweeted after Bobby Portis said, I was going through 40, and he had 36 points with five and a half minutes left in the game, and then he only scored two points for the rest of it. And then you got Miritich, you know, coming out of the clouds into Twitter with emojis, a little shrug emoji. I don't know what makes it so petty. Maybe it's just the the 24-7 culture, and there's so much consumption by Twitter and Instagram and the Internet that the players you know, feel like they need to be involved in it and defend themselves as well. But you alluded to Cassidy, of course. She dropped that huge report before, the, uh, before Jimmy Butler got hurt that Jimmy Butler is not having anyone that's calling him out for not playing in the All-Star game. And the main culprit of that was Lou Williams, who went onto Twitter during the game and said, are you serious, bro? Like, you're not playing in the game? I would have taken that spot for you. So Jimmy responds to Cassidy and says, I will play anyone for $100,000, which is what the winners of the All-Star game got. If you want to play me one-on-one, I'm willing to do so. It's just these storylines never die. I feel like I'm watching WWE meets professional sports. And that's if you're on the Twitter WWE to a professional sport, plus the soap opera aspect is ultimately what makes the NBA so petty. And you ask who's the pettiest player, and the answer is always the same. There's two. There's LeBron James and there's Russell Westbrook. They're two completely different characters. LeBron James is a surgeon with the keyboard. He is three, four, five steps ahead of every time he, he posts something. It's for a reason. 
whether it's Kyrie Irving standing over the ocean, putting his arms out, talking about how beautiful it is. You have you then have LeBron James at a Drake concert tweeting about waves, which is what the song Drake was singing about at the time. So everyone's like, oh, my God, he's subtweeting Kyrie. No, no, no. He's at a Drake concert and he positioned himself there perfectly. And this is just one of a thousand examples of when LeBron kind of is poking the bear a little bit. And there's always a reason for it. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Russell Westbrook, who will blatantly show up to a Warriors Thunder game wearing a photographer suit a day after Kevin Durant says his favorite hobby is going to Redskins games and taking photos. You've got him coming out with a Now I Do What I Want commercial right after Kevin Durant signs with the, the Warriors. You've got him with the cupcakes. You've got him with uh, signing his extension the day that Durant, you know, his birthday or something like it's so blatant that you just can't help but fall in love with everything that is petty wars you mentioned lebron you can hear uh the Cavs and the spurs coming up here two o'clock on espn radio you can watch it on abc what have all the young guys done for lebron and is lebron basically now just like one of the witches from hocus pocus where he just feeds on the younger players and that just gives him life and he can extend his career now another seven to ten years <laughs> what, a, what a comparison by the way how many people out there can feel that analogy right there because that i i get it but that's a late 90s comparison listen as long as you um, get it that's fine that's two of us <laughs> oh i do i do i would have even gone as far as saying it was like mortal combat like shane sung says your soul is mine Ooh, that's, that's what lebron one. james does to his teammates you know what he, he the, the difference between where lebron was Three weeks ago, like we, I, I'm mad at myself for buying into and falling for the, this is the year LeBron, it all falls apart. This is the 2009 game at the Boston Garden where he rips his jersey off and you knew he was gone. I can't believe I bought it because for the last five years, I've been saying, just wait until the trade deadline and the Cavs are going to prove, LeBron will prove, everything is just fine. But this was a locker room that was as toxic as it's ever been. And it did not look fixable without having to trade that very important future asset they have in the Brooklyn Nets pick this year. So what's the difference is not only did the Cavs get a complete roster overhaul, they brought in players that are talented. So they have Rodney Hood, Larry Nance Jr., Jordan Clarkson. These aren't guys that are going to be MVP candidates like a Kyrie Irving is. But the difference is they are willing to be soldiers and fall into line. LeBron is the alpha of the league. Even when he went to the Miami Heat and Dwayne Wade was in his prime, they both tried to be the alpha on that 2010 team that lost to the Dallas Mavericks. It didn't work because LeBron needs to be the alpha in every facet of the game. When you bring in the Hoods, the Nances, and the Clarksons, these are very good players who will never be as good as they are going to be playing with LeBron James. Because the, the part about LeBron that makes him so great isn't just his points, his box scores. It is how much better he makes his teammates. And he's proved very quickly on national television against the Thunder and against some other good teams that these guys all of a sudden are making shots. And these guys all of a sudden are looking a lot better than they did on their previous teams. And that is absolutely no coincidence. He makes guys better. And now that he's got everyone there buying into his agenda, I think we can finally get back to the Cavs are the overwhelming favorites in the Eastern Conference. 
He's Rob Perez. You can follow him on Twitter at world underscore wide underscore wob. That's W-O-B. We, Rob, we can't wait for the next bucket. See what's going on with you guys. We'll keep an eye on it, and then maybe we'll get you on afterwards, okay? Sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Rob. Rob Perez from uh, Buckets, and uh, going to be some changes in it, and uh, everybody will be out there following it. You can find it on Twitter. Go and see some of the past uh, episodes, and uh, yeah, Rob and Cassidy just sit and have fun talking talking NBA. Can you imagine if the older generation of NBA players, like in the nineties, the the Michaels, the Scotties, the Rodman, yeah. if they had Instagram and Twitter? No, no, like they would. Larry Bird, Larry Bird yeah. on Twitter, yeah. Liking no. liking videos of <laughs> and posting comments and whatnot. Yeah, I don't, and, yeah. And the one I'm glad he mentioned because in the situation last night when uh, Russell Westbrook was down, um, Pachulia got hit by Young, and he's a big seven. He's not the most graceful guy in the world. No, but I like the way that, that Rob phrased it. He was going to fall. It's just where he he could have maybe stuck his fall. he could have maybe reached a foot over Westbrook and yeah. fallen, but then he might have hit him in the head if he fell sideways. So I think Pachulia was actually doing the right thing. But he's uh, he's got a history. Yeah, he does have a history. Uh, and if you guys are sitting around saying, well, you know, what can we do? Uh, where's where's a good place to go? Well, you know what a good place to go is uh, the Four Winds Casino in South Bend. Jay Hood's going to be there this Wednesday, February twenty eighth, from six until eight. Catch Jay Hood and just as a little bit of incentive, if you're the fifth caller right now, 312-332-3776, you get a $100 gift card to Four Winds Casino in South Bend. Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner, here till the top of the hour on ESPN. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Hey, congrats to Pete from Chesterton, Indiana. Not that far away from South Bend as he wins a $100 gift card to four wins uh, in South Bend. Jay Hood will be there this coming Wednesday. Jay Hood's all actually on TV tonight. I think it's 5 o'clock today. I actually have a newspaper, which nobody, millennials don't know what they are. They huh? are. Huh? Huh? Yeah, newspaper right here. I got one right here. Um, UIC playing against Wright State. Five o'clock today, NBC Sports Chicago and uh Jay Hood doing color commentary for that game. Yeah. yeah. And uh Flames we, could use a win. We were we were two guys hosting a sports radio show talking about what we're going to watch tonight, and yes. you're going to watch the celebrity big brother uh is it finale? Or the the finale, yeah. You've got you've got Ross Matthews, who mm-hmm. if you've watched the show and you didn't like Ross Matthews before, then I don't know what kind of person you are because he's like the coolest person. Uh the girl that played in the hairspray um on hairspray on um what's it called broadway okay you also have um oh how can i never remember all these names the guy that was sugar ray what the heck's his name oh, mark, mark, mark mcgrath no he's just sugar ray. he's just sugar ray yeah. amorosa still in it amorosa still on it and also the girl that uh, steve harvey mistakenly gave the uh award the Colombian, to yes miss columbia oh, okay. yeah he missed uh, she's uh ariadna she's uh, so you got those five and tonight okay. is the final and uh so yeah i'll be watching that with my wife um and, and i may have to, a couple of beers because i think i'm gonna stop at the beer cellar this and i will be watching the women tell all of the bachelor the two-part finale starts tomorrow and you always get the women tell all all the women are back all the crazy ones all the good ones 
they're all back and they 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 tell all as the uh as the title states so i'll be watching that this evening now see everybody i guess has their their guilty pleasure mine and my wife we always watch big brother uh, together, we watch The Voice together. That starts Monday, actually, because we like the back and forth with Adam Levine and Blake Shelton. Mm-hmm. And so those are like the two shows we watch. And then, unfortunately, she's gotten hooked on the Housewives of New York and uh, L.A. and all the not Atlanta. She she watches Atlanta a little bit. But she watches Jersey, and uh, so I don't watch all those. That's my time to go downstairs and watch sports. No, my my wife does not do any Housewives. Uh, we watch The Bachelor, and yeah, see then that I've never gotten. We into. don't really watch The Bachelor. We, uh-huh. But we watch The Bachelor, and then we watch uh, a lot of critically acclaimed dramas. So, oh, do yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like we watch, like we watch like Breaking Bad and that kind of stuff. But like the new, the ones that are on now, so like we're watching the Versace show. Yeah, other people say that's really good. It's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I've uh, I try to get my, my wife and I watch Homeland, which is actually in another season right now. Again? But, yeah, we, we don't only watch that once in a while. What? Um, uh, a couple other ones start. Uh, doesn't Walking Dead start up again tonight? I don't know. I don't, watch, I, don't do zo- I don't do zombies. I don't do medieval times. So. Yeah. Well, and then we watch all the comedies together. We yeah. watch uh, Modern Family and we watch Big Bang. And Young Sheldon's actually relatively funny. Uh, I didn't think it would be. So we watch those all the time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we have, you know. And we watch... Uh, then I, wa- I go downstairs and watch Netflix by myself. And this we did watch The Crown. The first two episodes, seasons of The Crown was great. This afternoon, uh, I will be watching the Cavs and Spurs, 2.30 on ABC. And right, now you're watching, and right now you're watching your damn Man City getting, uh, was it 3 hey, nothing now? Yeah, 3 nothing. Caribou Cup. Yeah. Here we come. Caribou Cup. What the hell is that? doesn't matter. It just Tro- is the trophies. League Cup, right? Trophies. It's the League Cup that yeah, every, every year cup. or two has a different names. So. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks to Mark Schleybaugh from ESPN, Kat Garcia, the uh, baseball writer for WLS, also Nick Friedel, Rob Perez from Buckets and uh, Adam Abdallah. Thanks to you and uh, Eric Ostrowski and uh, we all wish Chris Black a speedy recovery. Yes, as long as don't don't come tomorrow if you're throwing up. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be a good thing. Uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thanks a lot for listening right here on ESPN 1000.